What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Hot Takes Only. This is episode 27. Yes, we are past a quarter century of episodes somehow. And it only took us three years, three and a half, three and a half years to do 26 episodes. Most people do that in like three weeks. And at least, I don't know, serious podcasters. We're not serious. We just do this for fun. Uh, I'm Owen. He's Willie. Good to have you on the show, my guy. Welcome back. Uh, we had a little bit of a hiatus a couple weeks ago. We didn't have any content from, I believe it was, I don't know, like early to mid November or, uh, sorry, mid to late November, but we had an episode last week, got another one this week, yeah. and this is probably going to be the last one until I would say December, what is it? 30th, 31st. I don't know. We might do something before the new year, but we'll see. Uh, Willie, we got some news. We got some news in sports that I want, I want you to take us through. Okay. Specifically Let's in it, the state of Ohio, in the city of Cleveland. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you got for us? Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, the Cleveland Indians announced after several years, um, and after lots of calls uh, to that they're going to change their name uh, from the Cleveland Indians to something else. Uh, they're going to remain the Cleveland Indians for another season, which I thought was kind of strange. Um, but they're going to look for a new uh, a new name change and. You know, I think this was, I think this was long overdue. On what do you, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's one of those things that a lot of people will be upset and get mad at cancel culture or people being too sensitive or too politically correct. But ultimately, it's something that is a derogatory term for individuals, Native Americans, who were categorized a certain way because of colonizers and their perception of the world and their eurocentric ideals and understanding not that there's a certain responsibility but understanding just that hey this is what it was at the time we know now that's not right so going forward let's be cognizant of that let's make a difference let's actually do something about it and not just Mm -hmm. you know accept it verbally let's actually physically do something to accept that something is wrong and going forward we're not going to do that again so yeah, as a neutral fan, as someone with no stake in in Cleveland sports, in 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 the formerly known as the Cleveland Indians, it's a great move. I like it. It's long overdue. Yeah, and uh, I want to you know stress, like you said, Owen. I mean, I think that what really matters here is that there have been lots of different groups of people um, that feel the name is offensive and that's what matters most you know what i mean yes Um, exactly it doesn't matter that you and me may you know what we think of it it's what different groups that are affected by it feel and they've as a result you know they've been calling it for for a long time and i feel like it's long overdue it's not our place to say it exactly you know exactly and i would i would definitely you know encourage uh, you know other other names that you know, there's tons of names that I do think should be changed, and I, I. But I think that's important to know. Is is it's just, it's not really, you and I or Joe Schmo that should have to say, right? If someone feels offended by it, you should change it. Yeah. Ideally, to something that that doesn't. Right, and know? particularly for marginalized groups, it, that's the focus. It has to be. It has to come from people who understand. People like you and me who aren't directly affected by it, but who understand and have that privilege to say, hey. That's not right. We need to be more supportive of those marginalized groups so they actually have, so that they're concerned are actually heard and not mm-hmm. just cast aside and said, oh, it, you're a small population of society. You don't, you don't matter because that's, 
the opposite of what we need, especially with a country that is so divided, with a world, frankly, that is so divided right now. Mm-hmm. That's what we need is for people on, yeah, know, for political analogy, people on both sides, but just in general, people to understand that there are certain things that happened in the past that aren't okay now, and we need to reconcile with that. It's not, yeah, no, absolutely. It's not like a political thing. It's not like a, yeah, you know, this is all liberals and and progressives right. being being snowflakes and being butthurt and overly sensitive about this, that, and the other. That's that's not what this is about. This is about understanding that there is a segment of the population, no matter how small, there is a segment of the population who feels marginalized and offended by this, and we need to recognize that. It's not. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's not a question of being sensitive. It's just understanding that when someone complains and when someone has a legitimate claim of being offended you have to listen that's just that's just what being a good person is about yeah no absolutely man and there have been people to be honest with all these sports names that have been very hurt for a long time you know and i wish that this wouldn't come back to the 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 whole cancel culture debate and now this has become you know in the political mainstream where really it's just people have felt really offended and look it's the same thing for the braves Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, that's another team in the MLB that should absolutely change their name. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, look at the symbol. Um, exactly. But yeah, and yeah, it, it's like you said, on. It's just we have to stick up for marginalized communities and people that you know. This this is just kind of a almost a human rights issue, right? Exactly. If someone feels really sad by what you call them and reference them, right? Um, and even the symbol, right? The 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 chief Wahoo. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Um. You, I mean, they they're called the tribe, right? That's their nickname. And, right. And so, yeah, I, I I'm I'm really glad this is happening. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things that's better late than never. And, yes. You know, it, we do feel bad that it has to wait this long, and the fact that it is finally happening now, I think, is a very small silver lining. It is a silver lining, but a very small one. But we still need to treat it like it is a good thing, and it is. And it's something that we as not only sports fans, but people who have platforms, not only between, not only in our own circles, but even Mm -hmm. broader than that, to bring light to issues like this and to be like, hey, this Mm -hmm. isn't okay. Let's, let's come together and be a little more constructive with how we deal with issues like this. And, you know, I want to impress again, it's not cancel culture. It's not revisionist history. It's understanding that what was okay 100, 125, 150 years ago, not okay today. That's not to say you can't accept it for, for what it was. Yeah. You have to understand what it was so you can understand what not to do in the future. It's like mm-hmm. learning a lesson. If Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you poke a bear and you get mauled by a bear, then you're probably not going to do it again. It's the same mm-hmm. kind of thing. You have to remember that that feeling, that emotion, that pain so you don't do it again. And that's the mm-hmm. same kind of thing. It's not quite that severe, but I would I would yeah. hope you're getting what I'm uh, what I'm yeah. trying to what I'm trying to say. And, and yeah, no, absolutely. And, and like you said, man, it's just live and learn. Like in life, you don't have to. No one has to beat theirself up, right, for making mistakes or, or doing something wrong. It's just you you think about it, you learn what you can, and you move on. And and so, while we don't have to sit here and you know beat up the Indians or certain people for having this name for a while we just have to learn say hey you know let's educate ourselves and yeah let's let's be better going forward exactly you know and i'm glad and you like use that said, word yeah no, sorry. i'm glad you use that word educate because that's the most important thing it's just to educate yourself on okay why is this not right yeah it's not uh, right absolutely. because it marginalizes a certain group of the population that already doesn't have the voice that it should 
okay? Now, mm -hmm. from this, you can actually change it and have a more positive perception. And it's not just, it's not just the name itself. Jeff Passan, the ESPN uh, baseball writer, yep. had a, a great piece. I didn't read the whole thing, but I got a, a good bit of it on mm -hmm. why it's more than just the name itself. It's the culture that surrounds it. And it's the culture of using names that marginalize certain groups of society at their own for their own personal gain, whether that's actual financial gain or mm -hmm. whether it's just a, you know, I get to put down someone else so I can feel better about myself kind of thing. And yeah, ultimately, getting rid of that is, you know, changing the name of something that's a, like a sports franchise is so arbitrary that, you know, like, why why are we having this big debate about it? It's a sports team. It's not like, it's not the president of the United States. It's not a significant body of Cong body of government. It's a sports team. Like, I don't feel like, I don't know why that's, that's for some people really hard to understand, but that's where we yeah. are in 2020. And let's just let's learn about it let's be better about it let's move on yeah and like you said it's it's really symbolic like you said of of marginalizing different communities and and how certain people have felt you know for a long time and it's really important to educate because to be honest with you i think that there's um you know, long story short i think there's a lot of different groups you know native americans for example all, all different kinds of 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 people that, you know, their voices don't get heard, you know, nearly enough. And so this is hopefully the start of a very something very symbolic and hopefully the start of something better. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I also should say, too, now in terms of just back to the, the baseball part, you know, um, you know, Cleveland, I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with the name going forward. Um, you know, if you think about the Naps or the Spiders, different names Cleveland have had in the past, there is a, a past history. So I'm curious if they're going to go to one of their handful of old names. Uh, I think Spiders would probably be the most popular or if they're going to try something new. I'm very curious about that one. Yeah. I mean, it'll be it, it'll take a while. I mean, we already know with the uh, the Washington football team that they, they still don't have a name. They're just a placeholder for right, right now. And, mm -hmm. you know, that to find a new logo, a new name. A, you know a new apparel not apparel so much as just a new identity for the the brand yep. itself not the not the team in a sports sense but you know just the what when you when you say washington football team or whatever their their name is going to be in the future what do you associate that with with cleveland yep. right now it's not something ultimately positive and with washington in the past it wasn't positive which is why mm -hmm. it needs to change it needed to change this is why it changed and now this why the uh, Cleveland baseball team is following suit. So yep. it's, it's not an indictment of the people. It's not an indictment of people who don't agree with it. It's just understanding that it's wrong for some folks. Yeah. Some folks feel hurt by it. Let's ignite, let's yeah. acknowledge that. Let's make sure they don't and, feel that. And I'll, I think going, I'm, I'm yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm, I'm really glad the, the Redskins changed their name to the Washington football team. Cause I mean, they're, maybe the most inflammatory name and they also they've been there's been so much chatter about that for so long yep so maybe that in some ways led to this you know and um it'll take a while i wish i do wish that the indians had done something similar to what washington is doing um i find it per perfectly honest you know even though they're my favorite team um 
sad, honestly, that they would choose to um, keep the name for a year strictly for merchandise yeah. um, purposes. But but yeah, like we'll see we'll see what what happens in a year. Yeah. So one year from now, we'll we'll know, or maybe a little less than that, maybe a little more than that. Who knows? But we'll have a new we'll have a new name of the team in Cleveland. We'll have yep. a fresh start like we have with Washington in the NFL. Uh, and speaking of fresh starts, we got another fresh start in baseball uh, in Philadelphia. Actually, the hiring of Dave Dombrowski as the first ever president yeah. of baseball operations for the club. Just another name for head baseball guy. You know, yeah, he's a big, big baseball guy. It's, it's the chief mm-hmm. baseball officer in Boston, I think. It's president of baseball operations in in uh, Philadelphia now. I don't. It's it's different all over. General manager. Uh, executive vice president, uh, principal, whatever you want to call it. He's the head baseball mm-hmm. guy now. He's the head executive in charge of the baseball uh, yep. for the Phillies. And it's a very, I don't want to say desperate move, but you can tell that after two years of Bryce Harper and, and Bryce Harper's mega deal that they haven't had the results that that deal was supposed to bring to the club. They haven't had the domino mm-hmm. effect that you would want for signing a player like Bryce Harper, the, the brand yeah. that is Bryce Harper, not just a player. Mm-hmm. And this is a move that the Phillies are doing to win a World Series in the next three yep. years. This is not a long-term build a organization for sustainable success kind of situation. Mm-hmm. This is a, we need to win a World Series in the next three years. Uh, yeah, that's what absolutely. happened in Boston. That's what almost happened in Detroit. So what really should have happened in Detroit with uh, the team that the Tigers had in uh, in the, the early 2010s. I think it was... 2011 and 2012 they went to the world series and lost both and then they went to the alcs in 2013 and ran into a a red Sox team that got really really hot at the right time they did so this is a this is a win the world series in three years move this is not let's be good for the next five to ten let's this is let's win now and um no absolutely owen i i think you hit it right on the nail ever since bryce harper came there right um Last couple of years, they've been really disappointing. Um, you know, they they kind of they they've been in playoff contention, um, but they they haven't delivered. Um, and they yeah they they have a lot of pressure on them, but um, they have a lot of decisions to make too. Uh, I we gotta keep in mind. You know, first off, JT Real Muto is a free agent. Mm-hmm. Yep. that's one thing. We'll see what they do with him. But they they have a lot of needs, right? And they have a lot of needs, particularly on the pitching staff. Um, and so I'm really curious to see, you know, we talk about with Zembrowski history, a guy in Detroit and Boston that is very known for going in the wind down mode. I'm very seri- seri- curious to see, does he give, you know, Real Muto um, a big contract as a good hitting catcher? And does he bring in some pitching? You know, I'm very curious to, to see that as well. And the other interesting thing is I can't remember if this was before or after the Dabrowski hiring. I think it was before. It might have been a day or two when his name was linked with the Phillies before they actually announced the hiring. But I know Zach Wheeler's name was thrown around in trade discussions. And he just signed with the Ooh. Phillies last offseason. Yeah. So we're looking at a guy who's making $20 million a year for the next four years. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what the prorated salary was for 2020. Sure. Obviously, with the shortened season, that's another thing entirely. But... When you look at what the Phillies need with Dombrowski, with Dombrowski now in charge, it's going to be JT Real Muto and pitching. Yes. And Lots can they put together a staff that is going to compete against Atlanta, 
against New York staff because you know Steve Cohen is going to spend money. You know the Mets are yeah. going to be spending a ton of money yeah. this offseason. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, what is what does that mean for Philadelphia? What does that mean for top to bottom? What does their pitching staff look like? Because the offense, we know what the offense is going to be. It's going to be around yeah. Bryce Harper. It's going to build around the generational mm-hmm. superstar. That we already yep. know. That that doesn't really matter right now. Mm-hmm. It's the pitching staff. How are they going yeah. to compete with the the three-headed monster in Atlanta? How are they going to compete with New York with uh, Jacob DeGoat and Syndergaard and Marcus mm-hmm. Stroman as well, who accepted the qualifying offer, which you don't really see. I just want to briefly touch on that. How many players actually do accept their qualifying offer? No, that's a that's a great point. I think if we that, looked at the percentage, it, it's got to be below 5% or something yeah. like that. Um, No, absolutely right. Um, I mean, I feel like qualifying offers a while ago used to be they used to accept them more, but now they're they're not as accepted as much. But the the actual true. value of the of the qualifying offer these days is actually it's pretty high. I think it was mm-hmm. it was in the in the neighborhood of fifteen million this year, like fourteen yeah. fourteen set fourteen point sure. seven something like that. Mm-hmm. So they're I mean they're not they're not signing for the league minimum or the veterans no, minimum. They're they're signing for know, some good money. With the pandemic, maybe that will affect things too. Exactly, yeah. So, That's you know, depends on whether or not the team will actually pay the full qualifying mm-hmm. offer, not not a prorated salary again. But, no, absolutely, right. Um, but uh, actually a couple interesting things with the Philly, though. It's it's really interesting when you think about the team makeup. Also, I think, I, I should mention, I think Gregorius is a free agent too. I'm not positive on that one. I think he um, is, yeah. I think he is too. Um which is another big decision. He's one of their better players. Um, but they could go. They could really, if they want to, like you're talking about, if they decide to move Zach Wheeler. I mean, they need more starting pitching. But they could, because they really need bullpen help. They yeah. could decide to try to get some cheap relievers and strengthen the bullpen at yep. the expense of the pitching, which yep. is another option too. Um, but I'll tell you, I'll, yeah, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see to see what they do um absolutely a lot of decisions for the phillies yeah and um bryce harper he's got to live up to that contract he's got to do something play better than he's been doing yeah definitely because i i know it's it was his uh his power numbers were fine it was his his average i think that suffered the last couple years i think he's he was right around two two four yeah his power numbers his his average has been way down yeah but his, his power numbers are, are, you know, they're right around they're what good. you'd they're expect. They're fine. They're fine. Yeah, I mean, um, for for Bryce Harper standards, they're 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 good. They're good good power numbers for anyone. For most players, they're you know pretty good power numbers. But for Bryce Harper, they're kind of like eh, eh, not not great, not good, not great. It's okay, mm-hmm. they're not quite his MVP levels, but they're still no. good. I mean, he's he's a good player. We're not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat that, but. When you pay someone as much money as the Phillies are paying him over 13 years, you are going to be wanting to see some return on that investment. And yes, I get it. It's Bryce Harper. He's the most marketable player in baseball. It's not just going to be his production on the field. It's going to be his marketing rights. It's going to be just the mm-hmm. the aura that is Bryce Harper. Wherever he goes, people are going to want to watch him, whether that's in Philadelphia or Around the NL East, around baseball, people are gonna to want to watch Bryce Harper. That's just that's part of why they signed him. Yeah. So, you know, is is Dombrowski gonna get him some help? Probably. Yeah. I wouldn't bet against 
I don't know, at least five major roster moves for the Phillies this offseason. Mm. At least five. That's just what yeah. that's just what Dombrowski does. He he's not afraid to to ship off very valuable assets. And he's usually pretty good about getting a good return for those assets. I mean, is it equal to what he gives up? Probably not. He probably gives up a little too much for for most executives' taste, certainly for a lot of fans' taste. But the results are usually pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we could have a whole podcast on on Dave Dombrowski trades, right? Mm-hmm. But um, but you're right on this team. This team is not too far off. You know, another maybe another pitcher, um, one more pitcher to go along with Wheeler and Arietta and Nola and some more bullpen help, and 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 they could be right there. And 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 Dave Dabrowski can definitely do that. But I'll tell you what, the NL East is going to be ferocious. That is going to be a really be tough division for anyone ferocious. this year. Um, and yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. But I think this is really bad news for the New York Mets, to be honest, because the Mets are a team that I think was knocking on the door and that's been due for so long for some success and like has some pieces in place. And now they're going to be looking at this move and that's a team that could knock them out of where they were hoping to go in my opinion. That's true. I mean, but outside of the Washington Nationals, though, the Mets were the only other team that had played in the World Series from that division in, yeah, they had in, that one in this run. decade. They had that one run. Yeah. But, I mean, even without Zach Wheeler, with that pitching staff they have, that starting pitching staff, not the bullpen. <laughs> um, you know, it's such a shame that they just, with particularly with Jacob DeGrom, that they just can't make the playoffs. It's such a shame. Yeah. I mean, well, if, if things go as they look right now in the NL East, there is not going to be one easy team. Every no. one of the, every single team in that division is going to be fighting for the playoff spot. I mean, mm-hmm. you could conceivably three, see three top teams come out of that division sure. this year. I mean, we're talking like we're we're talking. What is it? The 2018 AL East, where the Red Sox won 108 games. The Yankees won yep. like 100, and the Yankees won 100, and the mm-hmm. Rays won 90. The Rays won 97 games two years ago, and they were in third place in their division. That's it's incredible. Stupid. And I feel like we could have something like that this year if sure. all those teams play up to their standards. Yeah. And oh. I- absolutely. You know, can the Marlins keep it up for a full year? I don't know. Yeah, Maybe? that's that's a. But they're only getting better. They're they're such a young team too, and they're mm-hmm. only going to get better. I mean, yes, they yeah. may take a step back next year, mm-hmm. like the Astros did from 2015 to 16. But then the year after, I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about a the deepest division in baseball right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's obviously it's it's you know mid December, and we won't we won't see anything until what is it? I don't know. <laughs> February. Mid-February, yeah, February. No. The earliest. That's right. So that's right. Lots um, of um, lots of stuff no, to, th- to think about. It's gonna it's gonna be very exciting. That that's for sure. That that division is gonna be all time great potentially. <laughs> yeah, potentially. Um, a couple um, other moves that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say um, that another interesting thing. You know, another interesting thing about the Phillies is that. I mean, bottom line to me is that, you know, I feel like when we were growing up, the Phillies were really, really good for for a lot of years. And they're kind of sneaking up on um, uh, maybe a mini playoff drought. And that's how quickly success can change. A little bit, yeah. 
I mean, when was the last time they didn't play? That's 2010, I think, is when yeah. Halliday had his uh, his no hitter. That's right. Yeah, they won the World Series, and then um, I think the year after playoffs. But but yeah, like you know what I mean. So there you go. That's the point, right? It's already been ten years since yeah. they made the playoffs. Right. And so I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, even even the last decade, the Braves had their own their own little drought from 2013 to 2017. Uh, not as pronounced as a lot of other teams, and obviously for a team like Atlanta with the the most division titles in baseball and the longest division title streak in baseball, you would you would assume they would win more, but obviously yeah. <laughs> it's Atlanta no. we're talking, and yes, it's true. It, it, listeners of this podcast knew, based on me being part of it, that a mention of Atlanta and their perennial choking was going to rear its ugly head. Uh, surprise it's here <laughs> uh, no but on a serious note that the the division top to bottom every single team it's gonna be crazy is a solid team i mean the nats you know expectedly took a step backward last year but as defending champs that you, you lose that competitive that competitive fire if you will you lose mm-hmm. that desire to to replicate the success they had in 2019 so absolutely that that happens it, yeah it's uh, just it's just right. one of those things that happens Absolutely. One more thing on the Phillies, by the way. Sorry, yeah. I'm still on the Phillies. No, no, keep going. Uh, we got to we got to mention uh, this is a very important topic. Do the Phillies do the Phillies shell out the money for Trevor Bauer? Because if they get Trevor Bauer and you have Zach Wheeler, Trevor Bauer, and Aaron Nola, all of a sudden now we're talking playoffs. Assuming Trevor Bauer pitches like a Cy Young Award pitcher he we're, was last year. We're talking World Series favorites. If they get Trevor Bauer, wow. Bauer, Wheeler, Not with Nola, they have a really bad bullpen. Like well, they need lots of help. But you can't bullpen. assume that's going to be the only move. If they go out and get Bauer, they're going to go out and be aggressive with the back end of their bullpen as well. Okay. They're gonna they're gonna yeah, they wheeling and dealing. Dave Dombrowski is gonna get uh, he's gonna get creative. He's gonna he's gonna pull sure. something out of his ass, and they're gonna be a tough team. If if ownership wants to be like, yeah, go go do whatever it takes to get Trevor Bauer. Yeah, I, I, and I honestly think that Trevor Bauer is a guy that fits perfectly and would probably go there. I mean, there are lots of teams, like the two New York teams are in the contenders, but I honestly mm-hmm. think Philly, if I had to predict, I think they're going to get him. My prediction. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll find out sooner rather than later, but yeah. I would not rule that out. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean... I- they got a lot of they got a lot of serious decisions because oh, mm-hmm. I mean if they can get him and they can keep Real Muto specifically then then yeah yeah and we're looking it. at a scary good team mm-hmm. absolutely yeah uh, a couple other quick roster moves we want to talk about before we segue into uh, the sport that is aptly mm-hmm. named because you actually play it with your feet and a ball mm-hmm. called football yeah uh, we'll talk really in a minute but a couple quick roster moves or one roster move and one little speculative move. Okay. Carlos Santana to the Royals. You mentioned this in our little pre, yeah. pre-show pre meeting. Uh, you know, I've kind of rooted for Carlos Santana since that World Series run. He just seems yeah. like a really like a fun guy. Mm-hmm. You know, kind yeah. of like, uh, like Kawhi Leonard talking about being a fun guy going to Toronto. I'm a, he's a fun guy. Yeah. No, absolutely, Owen. Um, he is been a a mainstay of cleveland you know for a long time i'm more sentimental more than anything you know obviously at this point in the career 
you know, he's not the player he once was, but uh, he's just been a really big mainstay. And when you talk about, um, you know, he's been a great power hitter. You know, he's set a lot of some some Cleveland records, and um, he's just been, like you said, throughout playoff run zone, he's had some really big moments as a hitter, and uh, I'll miss him a lot. I feel like this is part of the the kind of, you know, last we saw with Kipnis leaving last year for Chicago. It's kind of like the old guard in Cleveland is uh, is kind of leaving or has left. You know, Clevenger's gone now. Um, Kluber's gone. Um, so, you know, I, I just have a lot of good memories of him. And like you said, he's supposedly a good locker room guy, I'm sure. So, you know, um, that that's something that Kansas City could, could use too. Yeah, definitely. And he just he just seems like he is the locker room guy, but he also mm-hmm. swings a big stick as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's something that you can't really overstate how important it is for yep. for someone who's not only great for everyone in the locker room, specifically younger players, but also just mm-hmm. he he leads by example. He's not just there to crack jokes and keep everyone loose in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. No, he's he's there to he's there to produce and, too. Oh, and he's a pretty he's a pretty um underrated player first of all i'm gonna give you a couple stats how many seasons has he hit more than 20 home runs Mm. three seven 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 at least 20 one season was 20 and the rest were and and you know on he's had a couple of really good seasons where he actually registered some mvp votes so i'm just gonna throw it out there yeah i I think was it was it 2016 he had an mvp vote or two uh, 2018. Let me see. Really? Because I know he had the stint with the Phillies that didn't really pan out. 2019. 2019. Okay. And 2013, I think. Mm, okay. Well, I was way off on that. It's all good. It's all good. So, but yeah, no. The point is, um, you know, he's been a really good player for Cleveland, and we'll we'll definitely miss him. Yeah. Really. Really important piece of the the cleveland puzzle but i mean you know now is an opportunity for the for the indians for the now cleveland baseball team or whatever yeah. whatever they're gonna be called uh in the interim yep to to build around shane bieber to build around a bona fide cy young a bona fide stud an ace a cy young award winner yeah, yeah. I, I don't know you, you you look at it negatively and with the next guy we're going to talk about but you also look at who's still there uh josh naylor as well who he's really tore good. the cover off the really ball good, in the postseason. That was a really good pickup from the Padres. I exactly. That, um, absolutely. In the, in the club deal. Be really good. So, mm-hmm. you know, glass half empty, glass half full. Depends on how you want to look at it as a sports fan. But we do have to talk about the guy I just, I just briefly mentioned in Francisco Lindor. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's been a shortstop who has been dangled in trade rumors or just thrown out there in any kind of speculation over the last, mm-hmm. what, three, four seasons, more than Lindor. Well, maybe two yeah. or three, but more mm-hmm. than Lindor. And, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about this when the news initially broke that the team basically said they were going to trade him or the owners said they are going to trade him. It's, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that's like you, you don't – you see it's coming and, and you can do all you can to brace yourself for it. But when mm-hmm. it actually happens, I know it's going to be a gut punch for, for Cleveland. And yeah, it definitely is, Owen. Um, let me and Owen, I wanna, as a passionate sports fan, there you go. We're here doing. I just wanna wanna talk about this for a second. Yeah, floor zero. Oh, and this is re- in in the world of sports. This is a really big deal, in, in the in the bubble of sports. Um, I want to equate this 
to Giannis and the Kupo, right? And he just re-signed the Supermax deal mm-hmm. um, with the Bucks, which will keep him there for five more years after this one year yep. when the extension kicks in. You know, and, and that was a huge deal, which could, you know, um, which could which is going to alter the face of the NBA um, because and and the point of point of this on is that um, it is we we can easily just like even when we're talking about the Phillies um, we can easily get caught in success but success in in sports never lasts and you think about when when Kareem Abdul Jabbar told Milwaukee he wanted out right mm-hmm. um, they haven't been in the finals since 1976 right mm-hmm. and ever since um and you know they had some good teams in the 80s but ever since um you know since 1976 right they have been pretty hopeless for the most part um and had they've had some laughing stock moments and and that's why this was maybe the greatest moment in their history to get Giannis to re-sign to a small market team now if you think about Cleveland now I understand that you know in basketball maybe each player individual player the stars maybe equate to more success than baseball. But here you have a, a smaller market Cleveland Indians team, no, whatever they're going to be called, a smaller market Cleveland team who, you know, has now the longest drought in baseball. Um, they made it to, you know, they they had lots of bad moments until finally they made it to the World Series in 97, lost in seven games, made it back nearly 20 years later in 16. And, and and look, Lindor's the kind of player I don't think people realize just how good he is. He is a generational talent. And mm. he when he shows himself on the big stage, he is incredible. Yep. And um and those players don't come around too much. And so um particularly for a team like Cleveland that's really struggled to to develop position players, um, you know, this is the kind of thing that could really set the team back a long time. And if you're an Indian fan, uh, it's going to be absolutely crushing to see uh, see him leave eventually. Yeah. And- now that being said, that being said, now I just want to talk about this as a Cleveland sports fan for a second. So if here's the if here's the if I'm the Cleveland ownership and um and the front office, here's what I'm thinking. So, um, to me. And I said this, and I think this was very true about Kyrie Irving as well. Look, Cleveland Cavaliers are are really now arguably the worst team in the NBA. And when Kyrie Irving asked for a trade, if I was Cleveland, I would have said no, because and just had him play because um, it's very hard to get equal value in a trade, and if you're a small market team it's really hard to have success. And I would have just said, stick out here for year two, let's win more, and then let's see what happens. I mean, look what happened to them right now. So if I'm Cleveland, I tell Lindor, I, I say, I tell other teams, look, you're going to have to give up the farm if you want him. And if not, you're going to play out this contract. It's that simple. I think one more year, it, it, to me, is, is worth it, Owen. Yeah. If... Well, I think if if you can't get the farm for him, then you keep him and you play it out and you hope you can get in the postseason like you you should, and you know give it another run because 
nothing you're going to get for him likely is going to be equal value. You could. You could get a, you know, a really good prospect or two. But unless you get maybe two, like, blue-chip top prospects, you're probably not going to get equal value for a guy like him. No. And the the thing that's hard, too, as well, and, and, and I want to piggyback off what you were saying, is that getting equal value in the trade market, especially for a superstar like Lindor, is so much harder because you're not trading established. I mean, you're most likely not going to see uh, big-name players move in this deal. It's probably going to be Lindor for prospects. And yep. that's that's the thing that's so hard is that sometimes you don't know if a prospect is going to pan out because they could be one of the highest, most highly rated prospects yep. in all of baseball, have several covers on Sports Illustrated or um, ESPN the magazine. You could be all over the news from mm-hmm. basically the time you you know start playing baseball. And you could have a series of career-ending injuries or you could have other yeah. personal issues that derail your entire yeah. career. And so you really just never, you never, never know. know. And and that's and that's also what makes it even harder in baseball, right? Is mm-hmm. you could really get good players or you, you couldn't. But like I said, Owen, I mean, these teams are going to come calling. And like you said, Owen, there, there's so many factors that can happen in terms of, you know, them maturing, injuries, all that stuff. And so, like I said, if I'm the Indians, I, I tell these teams, I just say, look, stick it out. I say, give us all you got or we're gonna, he's going to play with us for a year. That's why I say, I mean, you're getting, keep this in mind too, Owen. Um, as good as Lindor has been for the last like seven years, ever since he got an MLB, presumably whatever team gets him is going to get the prime of his career. His best years, in theory, barring injury or decline, are going to be, are going to be somewhere else. So you're, also, you're getting a superstar in the prime of his career. You know? You're getting, I mean, gosh, I mean. So, and I mean, it looked like, like, like and, and I, I don't want to overstate this enough, too. Okay, because let, let's talk about this for a second. Let's talk about Mookie Betts, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, Alex Verdugo is a really good player. And, yeah, they got more. But none of the guys they get are ever going to make up for Mookie Betts. No. When you when you have a superstar in sports, the team that gets the superstar, a.k.a. the team that gets the best player, wins the trade. I yep. don't care. You can, to me, like 97% of the time, you can get multiple very good players, even a handful, but if you get a superstar, you win the trade, mm-hmm. and that's how it works. And so, so yeah. And um, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm dead serious. Um, this is maybe a little bit of a hot take. Um, if I'm the Yankees, I move on from Lemayhu and get Lindor if I can get him. And that's, move Glaber is over. You know, I don't that's, think that's as much a hot take as it kind of is a bold strategy because if you're if your Yankees ownership is is the offense really the glaring? I mean, I get it. He's it's Francisco Lindor, but is the offense the really is that the glaring need for the team right now? Yeah, and that's why Lindor so, gives you great defense too. Yeah, as well. But that that said, it is the Yankees, and the Yankees have never been known to. He also gives only you a little do what speed, they need. Little speed as well. Yeah, um, that's true. No, you're right. You're right. But yeah. you know, I'm not a baseball executive. I don't. I haven't put together a team that's won World Series, so I don't, I don't. And know or if that's the case, you could, you you could also, um, 
you could, I mean, if they're, if, or if you're the Yankees, re-sign, you could sign Gregorius and trade for Lindor as well. That is, that is, that is also possible. I mean, teams with resources are going to be looking at Lindor or, you know, there's the obvious, there's not the obvious one, but there's one that you mentioned that is linked to both of these teams, to both Gregorius, uh, or one of the teams that's also linked to Gregorius, which is the team he just played for, the Phillies. Yeah. So they have a need at shortstop, and mm-hmm. Dombrowski is not afraid to pull the plug on a massive deal. Why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. That, that so, absolutely. Yeah. You really, you really never know. This could be, this could be one of the more memorable baseball off seasons, just because one of the big, uh, one of the big deal makers in the entire sport. Just found a new home, a new home that's desperate for another championship. Mm-hmm. You know, given by the fact that they signed Bryce Harper two years ago, so we've got a lot to a lot to think about when it comes to Lindor. Yeah, it's going to be. Um, I think it's honestly going to be a trade that really shakes up the MLB and really makes a huge difference. No question. And no just question. also, I just want to say one more thing. Yeah, which is that I mean. There are moments in sports, and that's why I was so happy to see Giannis out with the Bucks, where you just really feel bad for the middle and small market teams. And, like, this is going to be a moment that it's just, like, there comes a point when you get these all-time great players, and it's just you know they're going to move on. And so it's just when, particularly in MLB, you know, without the cap, it's like, man, you just see these small market teams just get killed. And so... For Cleveland fans, this is just definitely a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, because he, you know, came over and he he grew up in Indian. Yeah, no, so. no question, no question. It's a tough one to take. I do want to quickly I, address. Yeah, sorry. Go could ahead. I, could I just ask one one thing real quick? Yeah, yeah. Oh, just tell me or tell tell me in the audience your take on um, the Red Sox handling of the Mookie Betts trade and how they handled that. You, uh, you, you want me to give you a number or just a qualitative assessment? Because we may need more than one podcast for me to give a qualitative assessment. Uh, a number out of 10 is a zero because Mookie Betts stated, and, and I, this goes back to Jason Hayward as well in 2014 when Jason Hayward was about to be a free agent following the 2015 season, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So... Before I talk about Mookie Betts, quickly, Jason Hayward. Jason Hayward okay. came up a Brave through the Braves Farb mm-hmm. system, debuted yeah. in Atlanta as one yeah. of their next great outfielders. You know, there's yeah. a lot there's a long history of great Atlanta outfielders, <laughs> now occupied yeah. by, yes, Ronald Acuna Jr. But mm-hmm. Jason Hayward was supposed to be a part of that. 2014 rolls around. He's got one year left on his rookie contract. He's going to be a free agent following the 2015 season. Mm-hmm. And rather than opening negotiations with Jason Hayward, a mm-hmm. lifelong Braves fan who grew up a Braves fan wanting to be a Brave for his entire career, mm-hmm. said he wanted to be a Brave forever, right. gets traded to the Cardinals for Shelby Miller in a one-to-one trade. Look how that worked out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's one of those things where the Cardinals got a gold glove defensive outfielder who sp- very slowly adjusted his hitting and retooled himself as a hitter for a guy who 
is a good pitcher on paper, but effectively occupied a roster spot when he was with the Braves. Yeah. Shelby Miller, I think I think he was two and seventeen. And that's not it's not his fault. I think he had an no, ERA right. around three. I mean, he was when he was um but, Yeah, well he was at St. Louis. I mean, he had some good flashes and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I, I very much would have rather had Jason Hayward than Shelby Miller. Mm-hmm. Because at least the other element of it is is as just as a as a you know as a fan. If if you and I are professional athletes, or we were we had potential to be professional athletes, mm-hmm. and and you know I'm talking like you know this guy's going to be a pro. It just depends on when and where, not if. Mm-hmm. If we had options, you know, where would we want to play? You'd want to play mm-hmm. for Cleveland. I'd want to play for Atlanta. Yeah, sure. it's it's one of those things that's just ingrained in your system, and so when you get to do that, you feel so much more comfortable. When you get to when you are where you want to be, you are so much more comfortable with everything. Mm-hmm. And you have to think that Jason Hayward would have been one of the cornerstones of the franchise had he not been traded mm-hmm. by a frankly incompetent front office. Who, thank God, they all got fired and Alex Anthopoulos came in. That's besides the yeah. point. So all no, of this absolutely. is to say. Jason Hayward wanted to be with the Braves. The Braves. Mookie Betts wanted to be with the Red Sox for his entire career. He loved it in Boston. He loved being part of that team. And rather than say, you know what? Mookie Betts is an MVP. He's a World Series champion. Let's talk to him, see what he wants to do. Negotiations did not go great because they lowballed him like they lowballed John Lester. I'm talking about Fenway Sports Group, right. John Henry, and the uh, the squad. Yep. They lowballed John Lester. They lowballed Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts said, "I'm going to leave the negotiating table. I'll entertain offers when when I hit free agency." Mm-hmm. And rather than have one year of Mookie Betts going into free agency, they said, "You, David Price, Dodgers," because they didn't want to pay the luxury tax, and they didn't want to pay a player what yep. they believed he was worth but didn't want to openly admit to him that's what they thought he was worth. He wanted his market value. He didn't want... Yeah. Mookie Betts didn't want Mike Trout money. He didn't want Bryce Harper money. He wanted Mookie Betts money. Mookie Betts money is not Bryce Harper money. It's not Mike Trout money. It's no. good money. And it's a lot of money. It's, not, it's fair. It's but fair it's money. more than they were willing to pay. And so they just said, you know what? We're going to send you to LA. You and David Price. Just take the, take the massive contract or potentially massive contract right. and leave. And the Dodgers, with their... Yeah unlimited paycheck said yeah we'll we'll take it and, and, that, and that's and, and, and on that that's the like you you're saying too on which is which is hard which is the like you said if, if you have a, a a superstar who's played there grew up you know um grew up there with his baseball career and, and like you said said he wants to be there mm-hmm. right and he's worth it yep like you you get him like for a franchise like that absolutely and absolutely so and it's and and I think the Jason Hayward example uh, was another great example too. That, another, it, it drives me insane every time I think and, and about look, that offseason. I'll say this again, and I just want to say this too, Owen. Like, you know, how winning all makes it worth it. You know, Brian Winhurst, the writer, he mm-hmm. he says the quote: "You never have to apologize for winning." Right? Yep. And it's just like, look, Dodgers sign him to huge contract, win a World Series, right? Cubs. After he comes, leaves the Cardinals, Cubs get Jason Hayward. He helps them win a World Series. You know, yep. these are like, you never, even if, for example, Jason Hayward, I don't think is quite lived up to what people thought he could be. 
he helped them win that drought. And that's all that matters. You don't mm-hmm. have to apologize for anything nope. after that. Exactly. Exactly. And so is this going to be another example of Cleveland yeah. handling this as yeah. poorly as you, as possible? I mean, yeah, you, well, you don't, you don't know because they could, they could very well trade Lindor and the prospect or whoever they get in return helps them win a world series. You never know. And that's, right. that's the beautiful thing about it. And, and that's the same thing. I mean, um, you know, the Red Sox got a couple prospects in addition to Verdugo. They got a downs, right? He's supposed to be pretty mm-hmm. good, but, but you're right. You, you don't know. But I mean, the thing is when you just have a player that's so good, it's just really hard to get equal value. Yeah. And equal yeah. value is hard to define too, in, as far as prospects go. Because yeah, someone could be a highly touted prospect, but are they going to cut? Are they going to actually make it at the major league level? You don't know. It's it's all yeah. a huge question mark, which makes it yeah. so much more difficult to to stomach if you are a fan of that team. And yeah, I remember, I do remember this before before we move on to Premier League. Mm-hmm. I do remember the day that Melvin Upton and uh, uh, Justin Upton got traded. Okay. Those two and Craig Kimbrell on the same day in 2014 got traded to the San Diego Padres. I was in stats class at 8.30 in the morning, West Coast time. It was really early. It was way too early to get that kind of news on my phone. And <laughs> I almost flipped my desk over. I was so mad. I mean, I obviously didn't, you know, I didn't remonstrate in front of the class or anything, but I was so mad. I was about to flip my desk over because I knew exactly what they were doing because they'd already traded Jason Hayward. He was already gone. Yeah. And... This was following the 2014 season where the Braves won, I think, 79 games. It wasn't an awful season. I mean, yeah, they didn't play well, but they didn't lose like a hundred. They didn't lose like 113 games. They lost mm-hmm. 80. What was it, 85 games or 80? No, 83 yeah, games. Mm-hmm. After winning the division, that's not a horrible season. It's a, yeah, it's a step backwards, but sure, it's it's you, you have the pieces there to compete. They just didn't play well. You have to surround them with even better pieces. Sure. But being the greedy and frugal franchise they are the Braves decided not to pay anyone and yeah. they didn't want to pay anyone so they just said mm-hmm. nah we're just going to trade everyone and blow it all up and what yeah. happened in return was three years of utter mediocrity before baseball realized hey John Coppolella and John Hart uh, they uh, they did some shady stuff let's ban both of them for life well really just Coppolella and then John Hart quote unquote <laughs> resigned or was forced into a different role no they fired his ass and I would have fired it a lot sooner as well if I was uh, if I was in charge. But all that to yeah. say is gambling all mm. of the talent you have on prospects yep. can sometimes blow up in your face. And yes, the Braves are now good, but that's not because of the roster moves they made in 2014. Mm-hmm. It's in spite of those moves. They, they are yeah. not where they are right now. They don't have the players they do right now because of mm-hmm. what John Hart and John Coppolella did. Yes. They got Max Freed in the, in the deal for uh, the Upton brothers and Craig mm-hmm. Kimbrell. Yeah, sure. Okay, hey, one player. Now, do you think how do you think they could have gotten over the line if those guys had stayed? Because I mean, dude, Justin Upton was really good. Like he was like he, awesome. Like he was. He tore the cover off the ball in 2013. 2014, not as much, but he, I was so happy when the Braves got the Upton brothers. Specifically yeah. Justin, because Justin had a much higher up, upside than Melvin, yeah. formerly mm-hmm. BJ. Mm-hmm. And to just to see those two, oh, I mean, to be fair, BJ signed a massive contract and just did not live up he to did. it. Which He did not. You know, it is what it is. Atlanta doesn't give out big contracts like that, really, to anyone. Yep. 
I mean, you think of Marcelo mm-hmm. Zuna, who made what twenty million dollars sure. this year, twenty three million dollars mm-hmm. on a one year deal. Josh Donaldson the year before twenty million dollars mm-hmm. a year uh, on mm-hmm. a one year deal. So the Braves don't give out big contracts, especially not anymore. I mean, I think Acuna, I think Acuna is tied down for like eight years, a hundred million, or he, he they got him out of steal. Uh, point is. I don't think they could have gotten over the line, but that's not because of the talent they had. It's just because it's Atlanta. That's it's literally because the city is cursed. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless unless you're Atlanta United and sure. somehow win in your <laughs> second year of existing. Right. I mean, watch them never win another championship. That's just how weird yeah. and messed up Atlanta is as a sports. And star. that's why again, I can talk about this forever. And we should, we should, we should definitely have more podcasts where we do, or just have another Atlanta sports podcast. But the point is like, you know, that's why when you have these, these teams, you got to go for it. Yeah. You know? Um, and so, yeah, like it's, it's, um, and, and the good thing is like, you know, Atlanta in the case of baseball, Atlanta, like Cleveland have pretty good front offices generally, but, um, Cleveland certainly doesn't have the budget to really, they're going to have, they have to build through the draft and through the farm system. So, yep. um, it's gonna be tough. Uh, it's gonna be Lindor is gonna be. Uh, he's gonna be so tough. Yeah, it'll be yeah. it'll be a tough pill to swallow, I'm sure, for wherever he ends up and however the deal gets made. But the indication is that he is gonna be traded, and that's yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, that's it's a tough, really sad. tough result. Speaking of tough results, mm-hmm. uh, if you are a Tottenham Hotspur fan, which number one, why are you listening to this podcast? We rag on Tottenham all the time on this podcast. Tottenham and Everton yeah. and City and United and Chelsea quite a bit too. And yeah. Arsenal. And I mean we rag on all the top six, but it's mainly Tottenham sure. Ever well, not Everton's not a top six Spurs. It's it's mainly Tottenham City United. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of Chelsea thrown in there just to rib Willie. Mm-hmm. Uh Liverpool Tottenham yesterday. Mm. Uh really, really That's good it, game. It, it, it was it was a good game between two even sides. It lived up to the billing. I remember in the po- in the post game show, Liam McHugh, who sits in when Rebecca Lowe is not in studio. Yeah. He he said, "Yeah, this this is one of those rare big six games where that does there's a huge the buildup and it lives yeah. up to it and it lived up to the hype. It was sure. a really really good game that featured Tottenham parking the bus in classic Mourinho fashion." And yep. Liverpool getting a late winner in classic Liverpool fashion. It's yep. it's a great team. Uh, both or two two good teams. One's yeah. a great team, defending champions, and mm-hmm. one team deserved to win. And mm-hmm. that was the team that won. Yeah. And sure. you and I and, and the the Arsenal guys had a discussion about this a little earlier in our mm-hmm. group chat. We talked about did the best team deserve to win? Did the best team win? Did Liverpool deserve it? Did Spurs get unlucky mm-hmm. with the result? And I want to pose this question to you because I don't know if we really got into it all that much. Mm-hmm. What to you, in your own words, does mm-hmm. the better team in any given game of football, mm, what does question. the better team look like? Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's so interesting. So I think that there's no clear answer, but I think that to me, you have to really weigh two parts of it. One is how much on the front foot are you? How well do you press? How much possession do you have? You know, how many shots in goal do you have? Um, are you kind of dictating the play? And the other side of it is how dangerous are you? 
and I thought it's so interesting because it was so, you know, conflicting in the sense, right? And it's just like you saw everything on, on the on the first half of those two, right? I mean, Liverpool, um, you know, obviously dominated the ball and were really suffocating with their press. I mean, Tottenham just whenever what was it? I think the most impressive was the way they pressed and counterpressed. You know, Tottenham. They when they created good chances, they were extremely direct, but they could not string any passes together. Most of the time, when they got the ball, they just you know Liverpool played that high line, compressed the space. They had to try to play long balls over the top, so they couldn't get anything going. So from that perspective, you know, check Liverpool. At the same time, when you watch the game, like I was talking about, and this is why I feel like a draw would have been a fair result. You know, uh, yes, finishing is a part of the game, um, but. You know, Liverpool um, didn't really look that threatening. You know, their non-goals, they had some shots from, like, the top of the box. Never really any ones that really tested Lloris that much. Um, first one was kind of a deflection. Um, whereas, you know, Tottenham had three or four really, really good chances, which on another day, they should put those away. So, um, and when you, when you think about the fact that... Um, so, anyways... Before and not before we get into the specific game in general, that's how I feel. What do, what do you think? Uh, what do no, you think about I what, I definitely agree. You you mentioned all of the major criteria for how pundits and fans talk about yeah. matches and how teams play in mm-hmm. certain matches. When you talk about a performance, you look at the holistic view. You look at how much of the ball do we have? How mm-hmm. how dangerous were the chances we had? Did we create chances? Did we press? Did we mm-hmm. counter press? Mm-hmm. Did we? look the more threatening team? Did we create more mm-hmm. chances? Did we more actively take the game to the opposition? Mm-hmm. Did they more... And th- these are the words I used earlier. Did they try to impose their will on their opponents for the entire game? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tottenham checked one of those boxes. I will admit Tottenham had better chances. They had more consistent... Not more consistent, but they had better chances to score. They didn't have as many, but they had better chances. More dangerous chances that required either an Allison yeah. save or a bit of luck. Sometimes you need luck to win games. That's just the way it is. That's the way it is for every single team. Every team that's played any sport ever, you need a little bit of luck to win. Just that simple. What I think was so fascinating about that game, though, Owen, was just like, um, and why I think, you know, um, I just thought it was was another really good tactical display by Mourinho, not only with the way he set up the team with Lucelso in the middle and, you know, Sissoko out, out wide. But, like, just, like, you know, because coming into the game, right, like, that's exactly what they wanted to do, right? This wasn't, like, an underperformance, right? Like, I'm sure um, if you told uh, Mourinho knew they were going to have the ball, right, and he knew how good Liverpool's pressing is, and he was probably fine with them not being able to string pass together, having to go long balls, really go on long periods of time where just Liverpool, just they could not get out of their own end. But... Their goal was, can we counterattack well? And they absolutely did that. So from that perspective, right, they played really well because they did exactly what the manager asked them to do. Other than, you know, maybe better defending on the set piece. Uh, you know, that, that that's pretty much what he asked them to do. And so, and, and to be honest with you, Owen, I did not like what Klopp said in the post-match in terms of not like the like Mourinho part, but what he said, Oh well, you know that's how you have to play. He's almost saying like defending like the team. Oh, like that's how you have to play. Like 
they're you know they're gonna park they're basically gonna play really far back and um you have to play like that because as soon as they get the ball they're so dangerous well they i mean they could press even better and and defend better than they did too i mean that was another so i i, I don't know it was just it was very interesting no, I, I get that. And and we, we talk about we talk about holistic performances a lot when we talk about our teams. You talk about, okay, you know, say say it's yep. a Chelsea game, for example. Yeah. They had sixty five percent of the ball. They had more chance they had more shots on goal, more shots on target. Uh they created better chances. Mm-hmm. They pressed more, they counter pressed more, they won the ball more, they looked like they were going to score more often. Mm-hmm. But say they lose three nil because the other team they're playing, say, I don't know, Man United had yeah. three chances in the game and they scored on every single one of them. Do we say that yeah. the better team won? No, not necessarily. Because right. one of those teams is being put on the back foot and it's because they are being put on the back foot mm-hmm. that there is space in behind sure. for pacey players like Martial, Rashford, etc. Yeah. No, Same yeah. thing applies to Tottenham. Liverpool's on the front foot for the entire game, taking it to Tottenham. Tottenham's playing a low block. Everyone behind the ball, but they have the pace of Kane. Well, not so much the pace of Kane, but the quality of Kane, Son's pace, Bergwijn, Lucas. Yep. Yep. So are they the better team? Because they play the way they want to play. Maybe. Sure, if you want to go by that assessment. But... When you're talking about a holistic performance, and this even goes for when Mourinho's Tottenham have had more of the ball, created more chances, mm-hmm. and been themselves beaten on the counterattack. It's the yeah. same principle. You say mm-hmm. it, oh, we were we were the better team, but we didn't win. When you get beat mm-hmm. by a team that was harassing you and yeah. only through harassing you for the course of 90 minutes did they get the goals that they scored, whereas sure. you a better counterattack team with more clear-cut chances actually scored maybe yeah, one of them, but not enough. True. It's one mm-hmm. of those things where it's, if you're on the receiving end of it, you say, oh, no, we were the better team. But when you're on the giving end of it, when you're on Liverpool's side, when you're hounding the team, you are in their face for the entire game. Mm. You're saying, yeah, we took the game to them. We we imposed our will on them. We were the better team. Yeah. So it's one of those it's one of those Mourinho classic reverse psycholo- psychological uh, gaslighting. I don't even know what you want to call it, but it's it's classic sure. Mourinho to give that answer and to say that yeah. because because he doesn't he doesn't want his players to think that they are inferior, so they have to play a certain way. That's just the way he sets his teams up to play, regardless of the personnel he has. Yeah, he can he has world class players it, it, everywhere he's been. They're sure. gonna play that way. It's the Mourinho but, way. But. The, but but that but that's and I think that's though why in some ways they they feel hard done by right because in the sense that obviously Liverpool like we're talking about like Liverpool presses and and exceptionally well the best of probably any team in the world still and maybe ever and just counter presses in the way their midfield works in the shape but it's just like from the point of you know they they the team did. Why it probably feels hard done by is they did exactly what they what they want. Like th- they thought this is the only way we're gonna win the game mm-hmm. is by just having a few moments, yep, handful of moments. Like let's do it. And I mean, you know, you look at the the Chelsea game right against Tottenham that happened a few times, right? Like I, you could argue that 
I mean, I'm not sure it's true, right? But you could argue that in some ways Chelsea actually played better than Liverpool because they, you know, the it was kind of a duller game. Like the chances weren't very clear cut. I would say Liverpool, you know, played better than Chelsea, but it's hard, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's a really hard discussion to have. Right. Um, it's it, yeah, it's a very hard discussion to have, but it's just the, you know. It almost played out. It, it just the it worked out almost exactly how they wanted. So you know. Yeah, and and this is another another metric I like to use internally when I look at games, is okay, you played at a at a pretty high level. Yeah, yeah. played soccer at a pretty high level sure. as a defender. What mm-hmm. is more exhausting physically and emotionally and mentally when mm-hmm. you are playing, when you are defending, backs against the wall, for the majority mm-hmm. of the game, or when you have the ball. Which one of those two is more exhausting? Oh, I mean, it's exhausting to not have the ball and have to chase the ball. Exactly. Absolutely. So, if you, as a manager, are telling your team consistently to play that way, over the course of a season, over the course of two seasons or three seasons, it's not sustainable. It's not a way to play football Mm -hmm. that is going to give you prolonged success or continued success over long periods of time, which is what we are all after in not just football, but in any sport is long continued periods of success. You you I don't, think- you don't get there by just parking the bus. You get there by doing the opposite and taking the game to your opposition and attacking mm-hmm. and going in the front foot. Yes. There's a time and a place to defend. You have to be able to do both to win and great teams are able to do both equally as well. And I'm not saying Liverpool doesn't play on the counterattack because they absolutely play on the counterattack. It's it's mm-hmm. just it's it's something that all elite teams do is they can not only take the game to you, but they can also kill you on the counterattack. Is if you try yep. to pin them back and you don't put your foot on their throat, they're going to they're going to get they're going to counterattack. And yep, with Liverpool and- yesterday in their game, in the first half an hour before Son scored the equalizer. Yeah. You you had a feeling it it could have been two or three easily. Oh yeah, I mean they they Tottenham couldn't get out of their own end. They I mean, they couldn't get say. out of their own eighteen. Yeah, it was no, it was a one sided beatdown. Yeah, I mean that the, wasn't reflected in the scoreline. Players barely touched the ball. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, for sure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, they had really dangerous chances. They had Bergwijn hitting the post. Bergwijn hitting one wide as well, just wide. Kane mm-hmm. hitting a header straight into the ground, bouncing over the bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. then Son's offside goal, which let's be real, it was a, it was an offside goal. If VAR took more than ten seconds to look at it, they probably would have found that his like Maybe. forearm was offside. But apparently, you know, you can't score a goal with your forearm, but it's offside when Mane does it against Everton. Right. It, it drives me insane with VAR. Quick sidebar on VAR. Mm-hmm. It drives me insane how Son's goal was reviewed for like thirty seconds, whereas Mane had a very, very similar marginal offside call. I mean, it's marginally, marginal. Yep. You can't tell with the naked eye. But apparently they decided, you know, let's let's bring the dotted lines in there. Let's yeah. let's go, let's get sure. pixel by pixel. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's the one pixel on his forearm that's offside. And even though you can't score a goal with your forearm, you're offside. Mm-hmm. So there's no consistency with VAR. There's, yeah. if you're going to look at, Calls like that, if they're that marginal, at least do the same with every single 
every single goal. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So I that feel like that irks me a little bit. But back to the no, point. I feel, like it's, I feel like yeah, no, for sure. Go ahead. Go but ahead. no, back to the point. Tottenham had chances. They had really good chances to score. They didn't take mm-hmm. their chances. And when yep. you play on the counterattack like Mourinho's teams do in big games, you have to take the chances. And if you take the chances and score, then maybe, yeah, you're the better team. But they didn't take their chances and they didn't score. Sometimes you need luck, sure, but these are clear-cut chances. These are clear-cut chances you have to put away. And they didn't put them away. I want to stress this, though, Owen, which is just like, you know, you're absolutely right. Um, In many cases, right, if a team is not on the front foot, and they, you know, um, and the other team might be really threatening, but then they kind of steal the game. We don't say that that's, you know, maybe they're their team. But there are a lot of, there's still various, you know, counterattacking. It's just interesting how the narrative would be so different if they had won the game. Like we'd be talking about how much of a masterclass it was. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. It's like, like I tell you, like, I'll give you an example, right? Like, I'm a fan of, of Atletico Madrid. Like I, I like trying to watch as many different leagues in the world as I can. Mm-hmm. And right now, like it's, I told you, I thought they were going to win the Champions League. I think they're the best team in the world, right? Because and they 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 have tweaked their style a little bit, but for the most part, they play the same way. But the difference is this year they have an informed Joe Felix and Marcus Lorente. They have Diego Costa. They have Luis Suarez. Um, they have Thomas Lamar, all in great form, and. They play the same way for the most part, right? It's just they have great attacking players who catch teams well. And you could watch all so many of their games they play and be like, they were the worst team. But they won, and that was what they set out to do, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's just such a gray area because I feel like it's like, okay. Like, let me ask you this question, okay? If, um, what's about this? Okay, so Crystal Palace, right? Played, mm-hmm. um, played Tottenham before. Yep. Let's just say that um, uh, on Saturday when Liverpool plays Crystal Palace, let's just say the exact thing happens, like same performance, but Crystal Palace um, wins, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And say Tottenham won yesterday, right? We'd probably be saying Crystal Palace got so lucky to win, but but Mourinho and Tottenham are a masterclass, right? Yeah. So isn't that like a double? It's almost like I feel like it's like we give teams too much bias maybe based on the team if that makes sense yeah no i i I would accept that to a certain extent but the other thing i would offer you is even what was it two weeks ago when when city lost to tottenham two nil and city had 80 percent of the ball Mm -hmm. and were the better team but Mm -hmm. Mourinho's teams won and with your comment on atletico it's one of those things where are their performances necessarily the best consistently across the board of any team in Europe? Not necessarily, but they're getting results. So are they the best team because they're playing the best football or are they the best team because they're getting the best results? That's the difference between best team on the day and just best team in general. Because best teams in general, what they do is they focus not on, I mean, it's a cliche obviously, but they don't focus on the result. They focus on the process. Mm. Yes, it's a results-oriented business. Yeah, but you have to have a good process to get those results. Mourinho's processes are effective, but they're not sustainable. They're not processes that he'll be at clubs for six, seven, eight years, and they'll win fifteen mm. trophies while he's there. 
He's at a club for three, three and a half years max. But, but the I club's going to win at least four trophies. What I would throw back at you, though, is this, though. Is it... I get what you're saying, but my question is, is it more the style of play is not as good or the players don't want to play it? I mean, I think an argument could be made that there's nothing wrong with the style of football, but players, like, look, like Tottenham, right? They've really bought in. They see that they've got a chance maybe for the title, that they're doing, you know, they topped their group in the Europa League, you know, that they're, they have a chance to do something special and they see it, so they're going to buy in for the season. But in the long run, when results aren't going as well, they don't have that hunger, that drive to do it. So may, I, I think you could also argue that it's not necessarily the style of play. It's more just what players prefer. Players prefer to do less running and to play a more pretty style of football, but they'll do this kind of style for a limited dose once in a while if they think it can get them results. So I think that there's also an argument to be made that for that as well. No, and that's right? that's a... That's a fair point to make, definitely. I'm not like going to rule out that. Atletico Madrid won the title in 2013, and here they are eight years later still playing the style because, you know, every year they are do well in the Copa del Rey, they do well in the Champions League and La Liga, right? Yeah, but have they had the same players? They'd have, they've had a different set of players. And, different, but still and, a lot of the same guys still. And also, also I, I hate to be that guy. I hate to be that guy who's like this, but it's it's La Liga. I'm sorry, it's La Liga. Yeah. There's there's okay. two big teams in that league. Three if you sure. count Atletico. That's it. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay, yeah. Sure. At at this moment in time, and even so, those big teams aren't as big. There's mm-hmm. Madrid, Real yeah. Madrid, mm-hmm. and there's Barcelona. Mm-hmm. That's La Liga. If you can beat those two teams consistently, then you're probably going to win the title. And if mm-hmm. you're going to just get 1-0 results at home, parking the bus against a lower league team and sure, sure you're gonna have success it's i i hate to to do this but the the eye test in spain the game is not as is, the game is not as intense it's a little slower it's more methodical mm-hmm. it's more Absolutely. it's more let's play this you know this beautiful football passing mm-hmm. football this spanish football it's it's very it's romantic yeah but in in england it's put a foot in there lad Go and get stuck in. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Two foot into mm-hmm. a challenge. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's something you see with Atletico, sure, but the other nineteen teams in Spain, no, not usually. That's not you don't you don't look, think about Spanish leagues and say, yeah, this team is hard nosed defensively, except for mm-hmm. Atletico. They're the exception. They're not the rule. They're they're the exception. England yeah. teams ten through twenty in the table. Which one of those teams park the bus consistently or, or play defensively consistently against teams that are higher than the table? Pretty much all of them. Yep. Do sure. teams in Spain do that? Not particularly. I mean, maybe yep. they do. I personally don't watch enough La Liga, but I've seen enough already to yep. know that that's not really something that changes a whole lot. Unless you have like big Sam Allardyce managing <laughs> Valencia. You know, sure. or Tony Pulis man, uh, managing like mm-hmm. Granada or whoever's whoever's in La Liga at this mm-hmm. point. And, you know, that's that's not because Real Madrid and Barcelona are not good. It's just because mm-hmm. the rest of the league holistically isn't as strong as in England, where one through mm-hmm. six, very comparable. Mm-hmm. Seven through 20, also kind of comparable. 
Mm. So there's there's more parity. It's any given match day, any given Sunday, as the term is yeah. in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, it's you can have that more sustainable kind of play in Spain. And also Simeone mm. is he's I think he has like the man management of Klopp with the tactics and the motivating his players to play, you know, just park the bus uh, <laughs> yeah. like Mourinho. Mm-hmm. But he's able to motivate his players like Klopp. He, he's not. He's not. Uh, well, I mean, he doesn't get as much press in the Premier League, obviously. But he's mm-hmm. no. He's not an asshole that we know of. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So absolutely. It, there's a lot of different if ends or buts. You know, there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat. There's different ways to win football matches. But ultimately, if you're the manager of a football club and you are told to win five trophies in three years. Are you going, or sorry, five trophies in five years? Are you going to tell your team every single week you're going to park the bus? You're going to play defensively, 10 behind the ball, and play on the counterattack? Probably not, no. And so it's teams like a Mourinho Tottenham, a Mourinho Man United that do that consistently, that are the ones that are able to see that success for short periods of time. Not for five years, 10 yeah, years, absolutely. 15 years. Mm-hmm. You know, was a Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger, were they parked the bus managers? No. No, they, mm-hmm. they, they use the identity of their clubs to say, impose your will on them. This is who we are. That's who they are. They, aren't, they are not as good as us. We are going to mm-hmm. impose our will on them and put our foot on their throat for 90 yeah. minutes. And both of those managers did that for upwards of 20 years. Mm-hmm. So yeah. ultimately the way you measure success and the way you measure performances mm-hmm. and who is a better team on the day is who is more easily able to assert their dominance on the opposition and take the game to them and make it so sure. that if they're going to lose, they're going to lose because they tried to win, not because they tried to not lose. So yeah. that I think is a, yeah. a distinction is important. I, I'm not, I'm not going to say your points are not valid, but there's, you know, when you think about performances, when you think about who's better, you don't look at okay who had better chances. You think about okay who had the ball. That, uh, yeah, no, I I agree. It's just I I just think that we always talk about it, but it's just so hard unless you're a really big club to to like w- to really win trophies as a. Fr- as the in that like attacking front runner style, right? It's just really hard to, to do it. You're gonna get exposed in a lot of games. And I think that's part of the, you know, thing which you're absolutely right, but I think that's why it's teams a lot of times that want these attractive styles don't always get what they're looking for. You know? I mean that's that's I true. Think, I look I think another I, I think another great example, like I mean Never, never mind. I could cherry pick lots of examples, but no, I, and and but the the thing with this also is like, this like, is okay. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Yeah. I'll give you an example now, okay? Because I like to watch the Serie A for mm. Italy, okay? Yeah. Um. Now AC Milan is actually kind of doing a little bit, but Atalanta, great example, mm-hmm. right? Very open style play. Now, don't get me wrong, the Serie A is wide open this year, but do you think that they can play like? The reason they're sixth or seventh in the table, same with Lazio. Like you can't beat Juventus like that. 
Juventus has more quality. They have Morata, they have Dybala, they have Ronaldo. Like they're just they're gonna they're gonna beat you in an open game. Right. But these are leagues around the world. We're talking about in England where one through six is yeah. just about as close as they get. I mean, the last few years have kind of been an aberration just because mm. Liverpool and Man City, this year Liverpool yeah. and Spurs have been so much so f- much farther ahead mm. than the rest of the gr- uh, of the rest of the group yeah. than anyone else. Yeah. But usually in, in, in any given season, one through six, and even even in some years, Everton, I dare say, mm-hmm. are very very close. It's not like it's a you know it's a blowout you know one and two run away with it, and then everyone else is kind of at the bottom. Yeah. Sure. No, it's true. Liverpool and Tottenham are not that far apart in terms of quality. They're both very, very good sides. Mm. And Mourinho uses this excuse. Yes, Klopp's been in charge for like 1,800 days. He's been yep. in charge for like 300 day, 390 days, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So you can understand where he's coming from in the sense that I haven't had as much time to work with these players. But also, he doesn't play that way. And with the players he has, he doesn't try to go at Liverpool. No. Because he knows they're going to lose. He knows that if it's an open game, Liverpool are going to run them out of the yard because they're the better team. Go, exactly. And they were the better team because that's the way they played. That's they showed yeah, exactly no. that. If exactly. if it was an open game, hypothetically, I mean, I, obviously this is we're getting into hypothetical, so we're going to have to move on in a minute. But sure. say it was an open game. Say it's very end-to-end football. Both teams had a pretty even share of the ball and mm-hmm. You know, it was a very, sure. very end-to-end game, very open mm-hmm. game, and okay. Liverpool don't show up, and Spurs have more chances, more chances, more better chances, more clear-cut chances. Mm-hmm. They press sure. more, they counter-press more. They are the team that has taken the game to Liverpool more, even though Liverpool also has their chances. If Liverpool win that game one nil on a last-minute counterattack, are they the better team? No. Right. Or if Spurs win on a last-minute header. In that game, where they have more of the ball, they're attacking more. Are they the better team? No, it's it's a good point. It, it, so yeah. it's it's one of those things where they're measuring themselves by different standards, and that's where this disconnect comes in. And it's a real disconnect. it depends which which school of thought you subscribe to as a football fan. Do you like to see teams like Liverpool go at your opponent at home in a big game, or do you like to see teams mm-hmm. on the road in a big game like Spurs? play to not lose as opposed to play to win but what i let me let me just tell you one thing where where i there is a disconnect and i think it's great to have its fans but what i don't like is the managers like i don't like when the managers like in particular like when guardiola and klopp recently have been it seems like criticizing other managers for that style of play and i don't like that because in my opinion the job of like as fans right we can sit here. We it's a it's such an interesting debate to have. Like, what makes a better team? The job of the manager is to win games. Like, the job of a manager now and let you know for the most part is to win games. It's not the style necess- that takes a backseat to to winning most of the time. And so that's why I don't like when managers criticize other managers for playing how they want to play. Yeah, like how they want to win. Yeah, and that's but, that's fair. That's a. It's a valid point to bring up because, you know, it, it ultimately at the end of the day, it's a results business and yeah, exactly. managers are not asked to, well, at, at most clubs. I mean, obviously Barcelona, Real Madrid, I think Ajax, uh, a handful of other clubs, Man City, maybe recently, but not really, mm-hmm. are asked to play a certain way in addition to getting results. 
Yeah. You know, Real Madrid, if a play, if if a manager uh say Rafa Benitez recently. Yeah. yeah. He couldn't cut go. it at Real Madrid because he wanted his teams to be too pragmatic. Mm-hmm. And then there's you know, there's a manager like Carlo Ancelotti who gets really good results. He's a good manager. The methods may not make sense mm-hmm. for a, a Real Madrid fan because, you know, they may not be winning every week, but he's getting results. Mm-hmm. And then he gets yeah. sacked in year year two, I think it was. So, three, I think it was three. Yeah. Or no, what? Yeah. So, so basically, it it's it's yeah, it's just a, a club dependent issue of okay, yeah. who on each club is going to play a certain way? Who's going to have their team play a certain way because it's what they want to do versus who's going to play a certain way because it's what the what the club wants them to do. Yeah, and so that's, that's yeah. where the the kind of disconnect comes in. It's it's you know mm-hmm. who who wants their club to play a certain way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm sure. sure when FSG hired Klopp, they didn't say we need you to play a certain way. We need to do this. They said we just need you to get us to to back to where we belong, right. which is exactly. the top. And 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 that's and that's the question, right? Which mm-hmm. is that is there something inherently, um, you know better with heavy metal football or is that just what Klopp feels is the best way to win exactly and and from a Liverpool fan I can tell you that's just that's just what Klopp believes in it's mm-hmm. not necessarily because Good. of of the clubs he's been at because he's been at Mainz where their goal is just make it to the Bundesliga yeah. Dortmund don't yeah. go, don't go bankrupt no, that's, and that's right. Liverpool uh don't get relegated at, mm-hmm. at when he first joined, it was basically don't get relegated, uh, and and you know maybe string a few passes together, sure. But now it's don't lose the league to Man City. It's <laughs> it's changed so much in the last few years, and yep. you know again I I I find it really hard to find a few clubs that are just like you know you are going to play a certain way regardless of the results, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day it's a results business, and. You know, I th- I'd say what Barcelona, Ajax, Real Madrid, uh, maybe Juventus. Not really. Uh, all those clubs would say you have to play a certain way and you have to get us results. Yeah, exactly. Those are those are the handful. Mm-hmm. So, again, mm-hmm. there's a lot to a lot to think about, a lot to, to to unpack with this game, which is why the Premier League is as great as it is because mm-hmm. every week it seems there's a game like this. No, absolutely. Whereas in Spain, That's there's absolutely. like three or four of them a year. It's the two El Clasicos and then maybe a Madrid derby. Maybe. Yeah. And it always maybe... seems like there's in England, there's always these really heavy metal matchups like, yeah. that are awesome. It's like Arsenal, forth. Chelsea. Oh, it's cool. Oh, oh, sick. Chelsea. Yeah, even this Chelsea, like, Man City. Oh, like Tottenham, Leicester coming up. Like, yeah. Oh, wow. And, and, and Liverpool, Man United. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. That's why this league is yeah. so great. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. the big teams play each other all the time. And mm-hmm. it's usually always an incredible game of football. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually that's always. Right. Sometimes it's a, a one-sided hammering. Yeah. But, it's you know. True. Well, we, we've talked a lot about style on this uh, on this podcast in the last, last I don't know, 35-ish minutes about Liverpool Tottenham. And there's a team that is very famous for playing a certain way. And they played that way for many years. And once a certain manager left the club, haven't been the same since, and mm. recent times they've tried to establish more of a spine than they had when said manager was at the club, 
And ultimately, the results this season have not been good. And if you were talking, if you thought I was going to talk about Man United, you are very wrong because we're talking about Arsenal. Yeah. And how the mighty have fallen. Uh, Yeah. Um,. I, I don't even know where to start, honestly, because I, I wish we had the guys on this podcast. Yeah. Because we need to have a mid season review of the team. We and, do, and we do. After the festive fixtures, we need to have them back on and, and give us a, a crystal ball look into the rest of twenty twenty one, uh the Premier yep. League in twenty twenty one, at least mm-hmm. for this part of the season. Because mm-hmm. what what in the world is going on? Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's that's on everyone's mind right now, everyone who who follows football. Like, yeah. What is happening to Arsenal? This is not the Arsenal that we're used to seeing. In so many different ways. Well, I think I think there's 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 two there's kind of two ways you can you can analyze it. If you want to look at small picture, there is the fact that Arsenal is 17th in the EPL and goal scored, which would astonish you yep. if you come in. Like, their defense has actually been much improved, yep. a lot better. Yep. And like Gabriel looks like a great signing. The bigger picture is, you know, what players are do is their squad good enough? What players need to stay and go? And, you know, th- these articles that have come out, like, is Arteta? This seems to be discord in the dressing room, and like, can Arteta handle that? Like, there's egos, there's some aging players. Like, what's happening? Like, and I think, I think that the my I think that. You know, the big thing is, you know, until Arsenal get better leadership and a better squad, they're going to continue to be up and down, you know, have decent finishes. But to get them back to where they want to be in the top four, like they, they need a better squad, you know? Yeah. And I think we've said it for a while that the squad has been inconsistent as far as what they need. They have a, a good young group of players. Maitland Niles looks like he'll be a solid player. Yeah, Joe Willock. Solid player. Yeah, Eddie sure. Nketia, solid player. Bukayo Saka, Saka, one of the Saka, potentially yeah. great player. A lot mm-hmm. of potential. But the players they have now, the the senior, the really senior players they have right now, outside of Pierre Bacabamiang, I don't, I, I don't, and Partey to an extent, but we haven't seen enough of him to have right, uh, an established yeah. opinion. I don't, I don't know who is kind of, you know, Arsenal quality, if you will, because Shaka yeah. needs to leave immediately. Oh, uh, El Nenny. Yeah. I don't know. I, I actually texted us to the group when yeah. we were watching the Southampton game. Starting? Yeah. I, I don't know why he plays. Period. Not even not even call off the bench. I don't know why he plays. And yeah. and it's literally just because Partey is injured. And they don't have the depth in the squad to mm-hmm. be able to see that and mm-hmm. it, to be able to not play him. And it's just one of those things that's kind of like with with as much money as as Arsenal has spent in the last few years. Mm. How do they not have the resources to? Or how do they not address? What is an obvious shortcoming in the squad, which is at the center midfield defensive position, right. center defensive midfield, is is it is an issue? Because conceivably, if you take out Shaka and you take out El Neni, the only player at the club who can play that position, who's fit right now, is David Luiz, who's a center back, yeah. who's a converted defensive midfielder turned center back, and mm-hmm. I just I. I really, I really want to get the the Arsenal guys' perspective it's, it's, on this. It's very interesting. No, I want to hear what they say the breakdown. But it's interesting you mentioned that. On, I mean, I know it's been a point that's been talked about forever. But 
every every single one of the other top six or seven clubs in England have elite like holding midfielders. Yeah, every single one of them. Every single one. And, and Arsenal's the one that's missing you to it. Play that expansive style if you have one or two that can sit there and and make a big difference. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's a lot of different things at Arsenal. Um, you could factor in, so obviously the discipline has been an issue of yeah either Arteta not being strict enough with his players that hey guys mm-hmm. you need to learn how you need to tackle without fouling and you need to control yourself when you're on the pitch have have some composure have some some awareness of the situation uh, like when Gabriel got sent off yeah I, I mean how how in the world being booked a minute before do you make that kind of challenge on Danny Ings where you're obviously it doesn't matter how how severe the foul is or how how physical it is you're sure. gonna get a yellow card for it and yeah. to already be on a yellow card to do that I mean yeah I guess those, it, he couldn't help himself kind of, yeah you know, and I guess it's one of those things that's like it was one one I think it was one one at the time yeah it was and or it was maybe it was it was one nil Southampton at the time Actually, I guess he no, figured zero then Arsenal after that you're right they yeah so it was one nil at the time, and Southampton looked threatening. So at what point do you say, okay, uh, ten men, my team can handle it without ten, without me. Uh, ten men is fine. They can do this. They can get a point out of this at least. But it shouldn't have come to that. It, they should have had the ability to press to you know to press for not only the equalizer but a winner too. And like I I I don't know. I I, I genuinely don't know why they have an issue with discipline. Like yes, uh, some of the the red cards they've had recently have been kind of unwarranted but you look at Genduzi going for a choke shaka choking an opponent uh mm. gabriel getting a stupid second yellow mm-hmm. um it's yeah. just all across them and it feels like we haven't mentioned david Luiz a lot as in the discipline department which yeah. is rare Very <laughs> because extreme. he's usually the well, chief instigator other other than the fact not his fault but he he was involved in that he, role he meant it right yeah and that's 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 not his fault but it's no no you're right yeah so, I mean, I don't know. And I think I think part of it also might be that Arteta's probably lost the dressing room too. Because if you think about what Arteta's roots are as a manager, so he obviously yeah. played for Arsenal, he played for Everton too. But as a manager, as a coach, he learned from Pep Guardiola. Now, at City, you can get away mm-hmm. a little bit with the dressing room being kind of out of whack because yeah. every single player in the club is world class at their position. I mean, yeah. how many players at Arsenal are truly, truly world class? Aubameyang, yeah. yes, he's a world class striker, world class attacker. Bird Leno, <laughs> world class goalkeeper. Outside of that, who who is? I mean, striker turned center back, Skrodran Mustafi, maybe. <laughs> sure. Um, no, but Aubameyang and Leno. I think I, I, off the top of my head, those are the only two I can name who are truly world class. I mean, Partey is like kind of on the on the periphery. I he, would say he could be world class. I would say healthy Partey is. But, yeah. Um, but no, yeah, no, yeah. At sure. City, you can get away with that with losing the dressing room because everyone is like, okay, well, we are already the best of the best, and Pep is also Pep. Arteta is not Pep. That's that's let's mm. get that very straight. I mean, he tried to be like Pep. He tries to dress like Pep and act like Pep, but. Ultimately, he he's not the same person. Yeah, and, I wanna, I wanna. We definitely gotta get the lads in here. And I wanna, I wanna yeah. read the athletic article, but but you're absolutely right. Um, you know, whether it's his management of William, there seems to be something 
a lack of leadership in the way, like you're right, the way he, he I mean, he hasn't been able to manage egos, the discord in the dressing room. It does seem like the intangibles as a manager, he does seem to have, have lost that, like, which yeah. is a big part of it. That's, um, that's a big part of being a manager. I'd, I'd argue, I mean, I've, I've made this argument before and, on the podcast. Like, it's more important than the X's and O's. And it's like, you saw the, the, the Instagram, right, chat between Pepe, uh, Matteo Guendouzi, and William Saliba, right? Where, like, um, uh, well, who is it? William Saliba's like, I'm locked up at Arsenal. And Pepe says something, then Guendouzi's like, I know how you feel, right? And, um, yeah, no, it, it, it um, you're right. Intangibles, right, are what make, like, you know, Car- Carlo Ancelotti, like, what, what make them such a big part of soccer specifically is just the the buy and how much they respect the manager how much will they run your heart out for yep. you how much will they play the heart out how much do they respect you how much do they want you here right exactly i mean how like, many how many liverpool players do you think would run through a brick wall for klopp right now oh my gosh every imagine single one of them was, imagine if um say they had five or six bad results and for some reason he was on the hot seat the players would probably run through a wall to get a result to have them here, right? Yeah. I mean, so. and, and even even in, what was it, 2014-15, Klopp's last year at Dortmund, when the team were down near the relegation Struggling. zone and he announced he was leaving, they all, they went on one of the craziest runs in the second half of that season and they ended yeah, up in the Europa League. The, yeah, to the top, I think they finished seventh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From, I think they were dead last at one point. Yeah, and that's, and that's we're right. talking about a team that won back-to-back Bundesliga titles over Bayern. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's not because he's just a tactical genius; he's mm-hmm. just a great motivator. Maybe Arteta is not a great motivator for Arsenal. And you, you think yeah. about it, because it recently is July or August when Arsenal won the FA Cup. <laughs> like, wh- you got to figure out wh- what the hell is going on. Yeah, it's, I, I do feel like we do wonder. have to make one really obvious point though yeah. which is that i i don't think we all realized right for the truth is that for the reputation that arsenal has um uh with their style of play last year they did struggle with creativity some too yeah. and they are extremely reliant on obama <laughs> yeah it's like definitely i mean he is one of the top goal scorers but you know when he only scores a couple goals they don't have anyone else that's really a proven goal scorer you know they have guys who will score and will come and go but yeah um that that seems to be a huge huge difference as well yeah and and the reason we brought up arsenal is because we want to talk about the result they had yesterday uh one one against southampton originally yeah it was it was that's a good result for southampton who's usually on the bottom end of the table yeah. And Arsenal's on the top end of the table. And now the roles completely yeah. flip. And that's a good result for Arsenal, given the performance. Yeah. It, it, it's just it's just kind of bizarre that we've gotten to this point. And you know with a, cl- a club like Arsenal is not going to be here forever. Mm-hmm. But to see them in this state is... It's sad. I, I really do feel for Arsenal fans because they've seen, they've seen really, really highs, really great highs. And yeah. right now they're not in a great spot. But yeah. this was also Liverpool before, before Klopp happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't yeah. this far down on the table, but it was bad. Yeah, it was really bad. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, it can get better and it will get better for Arsenal because they just they're one of the biggest clubs in the world. Yeah. So, it, no, absolutely. It's yeah. it's it's extremely sad and and I I got to say on I, I mean, I didn't have enough respect for Arsene Wenger, I guess. But you I've learned a valuable lesson, which is you can't take success for granted, right? No. Never. So, that's, you know, it's it's um it's incredible. Yeah. Success is always fleeting, not just in sports, but in life. So always value it, folks. That's a life lesson, mm-hmm. not just a sports lesson. Cherish no. the good things that happen in your life. Feel like you deserve them. Enjoy them. Yeah. All right. No, that got I... way too philosophical. We got we got other teams to talk about quickly. Um, let's talk about Chelsea for a second. I had Man United down first in the in the in our little rundown, okay. but I want to switch gears I, and talk I got, about. I got to say, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna be very blunt. Yeah. I'm gonna be very blunt. Yeah. What do you got for us? I'm going to be very blunt. Two players need to have a seat on the bench. Kai Havertz and Timo Werner have to have a seat on the bench. They've been the two worst players in the Chelsea team, and they're costing wins. It's that Oof. simple. Ooh, that's some fire right there. Just no no hesitation. Just here's some fire. Look, I think they're – look, I think, as we've talked about before, Kai Havertz is going to be – whether he's with Chelsea or not, He's going to be a very good player. He's so talented, and he was incredible in the Bundesliga. But he looks really slow, and his confidence looks really low. When you watch him, he's barely involved in the game. He needs to, for his own sake, you know, I was kind of upset, first off, I'll just say, because Frank Lampard has done a really good job with such a big squad and the younger players of kind of, and and just everyone in general, of finding the ways to get the best out of them. When to sit him when to play him, how to rotate the squad. But it seems like with Havertz, he wanted to rush him in the form. And I get we have some injuries, but that seems to be the wrong approach. And I wish that they he had – I personally wish, you know, in general, I'm a fan of when the when guys come, unless they're, you know, world, world-class, like particularly if they're a young player, just have a seat, get adjusted, so don't wor- wor- hurt your confidence, right? And mm. – um and then I'll, and so that's that's one thing. And then, you know, Timo Werner, uh, you know, Owen, um, your you your 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 calls look like it's becoming right. I mean, I know it's look. He's a his goal scoring record is undeniable, but the fit looks to be a problem, Owen. And um, you know, he's without a goal in eight games. And to be frank, he just looks awful. Like his Wolves performance was, he was the worst player on the field, other than Havertz, probably. I mean, he gave the ball away so many times. Doesn't look threatening. And to be honest with you, like, he just, I mean, he does not look threatening except when there's lots of space in the back. Uh, He does not look like he can, he loses the ball a lot. He's not tidy in possession. Um, I mean, he gets himself into some decent positions but doesn't finish, and he's not beating people 1v1. Um, And so, frankly... If I'm Chelsea, when they're all, I get there's some health issues right now because Hudson Odoi and Ziyech are injured. But if I'm Chelsea and I'm looking at what I think is my best lineup right now, it's Giroud, Pulisic, and Ziyech up there, and Werner is not in it. So that that's. I I didn't know we were getting to hot takes already, uh, and it's it's not to say that's that's like the hottest. I wasn't expecting it, but. I yeah. just wasn't expecting you to so quickly be like, oh, maybe he's got a point. Because... Well, you can, you notice it, Owen. Look, right now, the defense has been really good. 
and and I mean Thiago Silva's playing out of his mind. He looks like one of the best defenders in the Premier League. But like, you know, Chelsea in their last, uh, you know, in really in the last, if you look at the theme, last two losses against Everton Wolves. When you watch the game, it was a distinct lack of creativity, and it was it was a reliance on Drew. I mean, they're just trying to whip crosses into him and. And so they struggled, and those two were a big reason why. And, you know, first game, Havertz played on the right wing, didn't work out. Then they moved him to the right side of the midfield, which is supposed to be one of his better positions. He looked terrible. And then, you know, Timo Werner playing that left-sided and right-sided forward um, just hasn't looked good, looked out of sorts. So with, you know, with Timo Werner, I have some faith he can he can score some goals. But, you know, right now it's... it's um, it's definitely a struggle, and I never thought I'd say Chelsea's relied on Giroud, but that's what it is right now. I mean, if only there's so, yeah. if only there was another club in London who could use Giroud right now, oh, not just not just for the the goal yeah. and the performances, but just for who he is as a as a person. And and it's just in the dressing room, he yeah. seems like a very good locker room yeah. guy. Very Arsenal good Arsenal miss that right now. They miss a they miss a, a veteran who yeah kind of you know just does what he does, and he's yeah. you know. He brings a certain, yeah. not to get punny, but a certain je ne sais quoi to the squad. But and I should just say one real one quick thing, real quick. With yeah. the relation to Arsenal and Chelsea, um, if you look at, I mean, like we said, all all the top six slash seven eight have even name in your hand, like have great defensive midfielders. But when you look at the way Chelsea's trying to play, I mean, N'Golo Kante makes such a big difference. Like, he's playing, like, world-class in Golo Conte. And Chelsea now, I mean, they basically play with, you could kind of call it an attacking five, just because they have Thiago Silva and they have Golo Conte. I mean, because Mason Mount does kind of play, like, a number six, but, like, I mean, he's definitely more of an attacking player. And so, you know, so the point is, like, you know, and Golo Conte just sits back there in shell and they can... They can play in the midfield with Mountain Havertz, you know, if they want. So it's it's like, it's, yeah, it uh, makes a big difference. But yeah, I I would say that, you know, Chelsea's probably a year away from mounting a serious title challenge. Now, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they're in it. You know, they're they're in it just because the number of points that wins the title this year is not going to be as big. Could be in the mid 80s or something, but. You know, in terms of realistically, you know, I don't expect Chelsea week in, week out to be consistent enough to win the title. But there have been lots of great progress that the team has made. And in particular, I think next year Chelsea could, could I mean, should be right there with the favorites because the way the defense is playing and the way that Reese James is playing really well and just... Kurt Zuma is playing really well. Chilwell's fit in really well. So all the defensive problems seem to kind of be under control, which is a, a good sign. Mendy as well. And that's the thing that we all kind of circled when we when we talked about Chelsea in the in the yeah. the little pre preseason uh, preview, if you will. Yeah, yeah. We talked about Chelsea's defensive fragility in certain ways. Yeah. We thought Thiago Silva is going to help. Then we. Yep. Kind of watched a few games and realized Thiago Silva wasn't helping all that much. Really, you know, and I'm going to save this take for for the end of it. I think Lampard is saying all the right. I mean, particularly about Kai Havertz, he's saying all the right things in the media, especially when he first signed. He said, you know, we're not going to rush him in right away. We're going to help him get but they did acclimatized. <laughs> and 
to to say that and say we're not going to have expectations of him, but then to put him in the starting eleven every single week for the first however many weeks it yeah. was. At, at, at one point, it's like, yeah, you can say that all you want, but everyone knows how much money you spent to get him and how yeah. highly of a prospect he's rated. The expectation is naturally there whether or not you put it on him. And yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Lampard says all the right things. And, you know, maybe his management of Kai Havertz is all, all the same as well. But also, you have to realize Kai Havertz is 21 years old. He's, yeah. he's still like, he can barely buy a drink in the United States. <laughs> you right. know, and that's and and that's something and, you have and, to contextualize and, and, a lot. And that's why it's 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 annoying, Owen, because it's like no other. It seems like for some reason, like you said, Lampard wants to play him every game, and it's just like why when he's not playing well and and just trying to adapt to the country and to the the soccer. Um, why does he insist on playing him every game? And right now. He, he not only looks like he's just short in confidence, but now it's like, to your point, you know, the, the media is now starting to ask questions about it. And it's just, it's not right to like put him in the situation. He's a tremendous talent. He's going to be a great player. Just now is not the time. So yeah. I just, it's, yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's not, not a good situation. Right. And I'll, I'll, I want to move on from this because we've, we've, I do want to talk about a couple other things before we before we get to the hot takes and kind of wrap it up. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll yeah. talk about Timo Werner a little bit in the hot takes. I have a take on him that I think is not going to be out of left field, but you'll you'll kind of see okay. it coming. Sure. Um, but he will I get better. It. That's the silver line for Chelsea. He he and Kai Havertz are very young. They're going to get better. It's just naturally what's going to happen with players like this. They're going to develop. They're going to acclimatize to a new league. It may not be this year, yeah. but they're going to get better and they're going to start performing at a high level. And who knows? Maybe next year they will be challenging for the title. But for right yeah. now, it's 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 really a case of tempering expectations, and I think Lampard's team selection has to reflect that. But yeah. if it doesn't reflect that, then they're going to be put in this situation where their confidence is going to get shot the more they don't perform up to the standard that is expected of them, not just by themselves or by the manager, but by by fans and by the club who spent yeah. a fortune trying to get two players, uh, yeah. two highly rated German youngsters, right. but two. Mm-hmm. Very, very solid players, and yeah, absolutely. You know, whether or not that manifests itself in the next few months is going to be interesting. It's it's a talking point for sure. Yeah. It's something it's we'll have to revisit on the show as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, we got to monitor their progress. Yeah, and we should do a podcast about the up and coming players. Yeah, I, I I'd like be it. I'd be so down to talk about kind of the uh, the youngsters, the mm-hmm. up and comers. Sure. Uh, we didn't talk about Curtis Jones at all. And and he he was yeah, man of the match against against Tottenham. He's yeah. nineteen years old, man of the match against against a. He looks a really player. good. He, he looks really really good. He looks like, uh, dare I say, the second coming of Stevie G. Maybe not as far <laughs> as the technique in which he's. I mean, no one could strike a ball like Stevie. Yeah, the way Gerard played those like cross field passes. Yeah, was but you know as far as the box to box energy is picking your team up by the scruff of their neck. Yeah, and he's good on the ball and everything yeah. too. Yeah. I think I think Jones has some of that too. He's nineteen too, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna it's like say he's the next Gerard, but he's he reminds me a lot of a younger Steven Gerard. Yeah, just the, just the way he kind of goes about wow. it. He yeah, no, for sure. You know, he's he a really and, good and Trent and. Reese mm-hmm. Williams, they are the future of this club. And Harvey was, Elliott, too. I'm sure he's going to be good. I mean, for what it's worth, I wasn't that impressed with Reese Williams, despite what people were saying in the debut. Just in, in just in that game, that one game. That's true. He didn't he didn't have an amazing game, but he he did what he was asked to do. 
Yeah, and he did no, it at right. a high level. He did. Although yes. he, he, he did uh, was kind of responsible for the first goal. Uh, a little bit. He yeah. let Sun get off his back shoulder on the left. Yeah. Left him open. A little bit. But we've also talked about that goal a little bit. Uh, the less we do that, the better. Fair enough. Man United. Man United are in third. Mm. Yeah. Or, sorry. No, yeah, they, they uh, could. They could are, are they in third right now? Or they could go third? No, they're not no, in third. They're in sixth. They could go third. Mm-hmm. If they win at the weekend, because they have a game in hand, so yeah. yeah, we have ourselves a bona fide uh, no, just... cluster fork to avo- avoid using a certain four-letter word in the podcast. We have a just logjam at the top of the table, mm-hmm. and this is what the Premier League is all about: between tenth yep. and second, five points. That's it. Yeah. Eight points between 10th and 1st. That yeah. is that is what the Premier League is supposed to look like. And that is what it is looking like this season. Injuries suck, but yes, it is amazing. And I love it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. United, for as much as we've talked about them, we've always, we've always said the last few weeks, yeah. like, I don't know what United we're going to get this week. We're going to get either 6-1 against Tottenham yeah. or 3-0 against PSG. Like which or against Leipzig, sorry. Which one are we going to get? I, I don't know, but they... You know what? I, I, I think... Um... What's uh, interesting is like they, um, they kind of have a defined niche with the way they play. And to be honest with you, um, you know, like out watching the game today, I kind of had this thought. I was just like, they're not as good as like Liverpool, but to some extent, I think you kind of know what you're going to get from them. Like they. Their defense has been struggling a little bit, for the, but for the most part, like they have some good midfielders. You know, they have guys who can score. Rashford played really was one of his best games today. He's on on the scene. Like they have a pretty high floor, I think. You know, they're pretty consistent for the most part. Um, yeah, they're it's it's crazy though because their their league form has been up and down, and their Champions League form has kind of mirrored that. So when they've been bad in the league. They are bad in the league. They've been great in the Champions League. They've been bad in the Champions mm. League. They've been great in the league. There's no in between with them. It's it's mm. it's one or the other with, with this competition. And obviously, them not making it to the the knockouts of the Champions League is you know it's really unlucky. You really hate to see it, but uh, <laughs> you know it again. It's just like I, but they, they've been, but they they've really they've rebounded. leveled off a little bit. There's no middle ground with them this season. Well, but they've rebounded though. They yes. struggled at the beginning. They struggled. At the yes, beginning. definitely. You know, and I think, but but you're right. I mean, they have been volatile, and even just they keep falling behind these games, right? Yeah. So, but also, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, but you're also tactically right. too. Like, what are you gonna get? Like, when you when you think about every team in the big six, you kind of know what you're gonna get. City, aggressive possession, goals yeah. for days. Chelsea, yeah. a lot of possession, a lot of goals too. Defensively, getting a lot better. Yeah. Sure. Liverpool, press, 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 mm-hmm. relentless. 90 minutes. Yep. Defending champions. What are you going to do about it? Spurs, Mourinho, that's it. That's all you need to know. But with with United or is what what what's the what's the what do you what are you yeah, going to get? No, are you going to get just a, a penalty point. from Bruno Fernandes? Are you going to get just a counterattack from Rashford? Are you going to get a, a comprehensive performance where, where Fernandes and Pogba boss the game for 90 minutes? Or are you going to yeah. get one where Pogba's on the bench for 85 <laughs> minutes, comes on for 5 minutes and no, doesn't do anything? Point. Like what do you what, what's happening? What's going like I I don't I don't know genuinely what to I think mean, of. I mean they are United. they are they want to be a counterattacking team. 
you know, that's what they want to be. But you're right. What you, how they get there is another question. You know, sometimes they've played these really open games. You know, sometimes, you know, the Manchester City game, they they play pretty compact and try to hit you on the counter. So, yeah, it, it you're right. They don't have really a system of play or anything. They just kind of. Yeah. They, they just kind of do what they would, do. Yeah, and they have good enough players to do it. Yeah. I mean, did you see Pogba's pass today? Wow. It was He hit a one-touch uh, pass. It was uh, someone like, uh, yeah, but just one time over the top. Like, they have they have lots of talent. They, you know? Quality is never the issue with Man United. I mean, they yeah. are one of the biggest clubs in the world. Attracting talent is not the issue. Having talent is not the issue. It's it's right now. It's the manager. Yeah, if they had a good manager, they could do really well with this. They squad. would be they do, they would be probably in the middle of the title race as opposed to on the peripheral of the title race. If they had mm-hmm. like a Pochettino at the helm or a, a top tier manager or a Julian Nagelsmann, perhaps mm. someone who could be in the Premier League in the next two years, if my hot take wow. proves to be correct. Yeah, uh, he, he's yeah. not going to be at Leipzig forever. There's no way. No, as as nouveau riche as they are, they're not. He's not going to be at Leipzig forever. They are no nouveau way. rich. They, they are. are very, very much so. But if we want, unless he wants to leave Germany, though, who knows if he, he might want to stay in Germany? That's true. He could. He could go after Hansi Flick's job at Bayern. He I mean, could do that. Bayern are all <laughs> about crushing their domestic competition mm-hmm. and just sucking the competition out of Germany. That's what the variants. That's what they're, Dortmund they're all about. should have tried to hire him. I'm sure they tried to, but uh, I'm sure Leipzig offered more money or the project was more enticing. Yeah. I mean, I, if you were to give someone the option right now between Dortmund and Leipzig, just based on the players, I mean, I think Dortmund easily because of the, the oh, talent they have. So talented. They, the young the talent Dortmund have year in and year out is almost stupid. Yeah. it's. I mean, impossible. they end up selling all their players for, for money. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. become the profit model like Ajax, but it's like... Holland, Sancho, Guerrero, Reyna, Bellingham. Yeah, Bellingham, Waku, or <laughs> however he says his name. Oh, my God. Just so much yeah, talent. Yeah, they're spoiled. So much young they're talent. Spoiled. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Your boy, like, Emery Like, Chan. Mats Hummels and Emery Chan are the older – they're the elder statesmen of that older team. Guys. And Roman and Marco Berkey. Royce. Yeah. And Mar- yeah Roman Marco Berkey. Royce is an old man in that team. No, I know. I think it's, it's Which crazy. Which is hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to, yeah, we, we should do a podcast that branches out a little bit just beyond England and talks about all the young talent in the world. We could, sure. like a good hour of that would have to be on Dortmund alone, but, mm. <laughs> oh my I God. I know, it's scary, but it's, it's, anyway. it's, it's nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I, I do think it's the, it's the manager at United that's the problem right now. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not that Oli's a horrible manager with no idea what he's doing. He's just, there's just no clear not identity. Even- yeah, there's no clear identity. And uh, absolutely, I, I think, and they're going to be inconsistent, right? And I think the identity with with Ole right now is his whole. Well, you know, uh, we we had the good counter attack. Um, uh, we are Man United. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, going to he's going to play. Um, uh, we counter attack and uh, discount Andy Circus. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's yeah. he he looks too much like Andy Circus. And th- this is not a knock on him as a person. See, like, here's, I, here's probably a nice the, guy, but he looks like Andy Circus. But 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 well, what I will say this though, right? It's just like they 
you're obviously not going to be in the front foot more than Man City or Liverpool, no. even Leicester to some extent, the yeah. way they play. So I, with a better manager, they could play a counterattacking style and be extremely successful. Yeah. You know? Man, if only they had a manager who liked to play on the counterattack because, a couple years ago. <laughs> hmm. Oh. Well, if only they had one of those. Because the thing is, dude, you gave Mourinho not if like, dude, if you gave Mourinho Bruno Fernandez, oh god, like title. just like title, yeah, like it's... you know, if you give him better players, like, dude, yeah, he didn't. And Mourinho they, did not have the, well, he had Pogba, but he didn't have the, the compliment to Pogba that Fernandez is. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, and he didn't have you know Greenwood. Didn't have he didn't true. have. Did he have Harry Maguire? He didn't have Harry Maguire, right? No, 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 he did not. Didn't have Juan Bissaka, right? Didn't no, Juan that's Bissaka true. That's true. This team with Mourinho yeah. would probably win the title. So yeah, that's right. Dude, they they wanted the center back the whole time he was there. They just wouldn't. They had Bai. I think he brought in Bai and Lindelof, yeah. but he didn't think they were good enough. Oh, uh, but but to see United also, yeah. in this state, given what they were under Sir Alex Ferguson, is like it's I don't know. It's a breath of fresh air. It opens yeah, up man. the league to everyone else, mm-hmm. namely it, Liverpool, yeah. to bring in your daddy Jürgen. I love it. I, I love it. I love, it. Uh, it love to see it. So much uh, okay. and, and like, I, I'll just say real quick. Yeah, on, yeah. Like, it's it's just so great because you. I think you, in, as a soccer fan, you think about teams in like years and those days, and and just you know, it's just you know, appreciate these great managers while they're at the club. Yes, very much so. Like, what's going to happen to Liverpool? When I mean, I know he wants to keep the infrastructure he said there and leave a successor, but it's just like, appreciate these great managers while they're there because otherwise, never the same. There's no crying in this podcast. Don't, don't make me yeah. sad. The yeah. day that Jurgen Klopp has to leave the club or he, the day yeah. he'll want to leave the club. Uh, yeah, seriously. I don't want to think about it. I don't, no, no thanks. No thanks. Seriously. It's a okay. Thursday right before the holidays. No thank you. Um... <laughs> No, so really quickly before we get to the this weekend and then eventually our hot takes, um, what in the world is happening with Sheffield United? They're off to the mm. worst start in the history of the top flight since yeah. 1888, 89. Mm-hmm. One point through 13 games. That's, ouch. If yeah. they stay up, it'll be greater than um, Leicester's great escape the year before they won the title. 100%. Mm-hmm. 100% will be exactly like that. If mm-hmm. if not better, yeah. yeah I, from from where they were last year, when when last year they they were probably just the most annoying fixture for any club. Mm-hmm. To now they're just like yeah, three points. Yeah, it's, like what is going on? Well, I think to put it simply, um, you know, uh, they last year they had one of the best defenses in the league. You know, um, they were great. This year they're playing the same system, but they've had some injuries. Their back line has really struggled. Their defense has been awful. Yeah. And they just look flat, like when you watch them like play and stuff. And uh yeah, without that kind of backbone foundation, they're not a kind of team that's explosive going forward. Yeah. So or really has anyone that you can count on the score. And so you're right on but like to fall this far, it's like astonishing. Like this is like Oh, and they look lifeless, Owen. They they look really lifeless. They don't look like the same club that that finished, what, seventh last year? 
Uh, was it? Nah, no, no. I think eighth? they finished ninth, eighth, eighth or yeah, ninth. Eighth or ninth. Yeah. Either way, it's 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 sad because they were they were such a you know you circled yeah. that game on your calendar because it's like okay I'm gonna want to take a lo- take a a good long look at this one first before you know mm-hmm. switching over to another game, but you know and it's 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 it's, it's not and it's not to what's it's to be it's not surprising that they're in the relegation battle. I mean, that happens to teams a lot where they'll be really good. I mean, just look at Burnley, right? They went from Europa League 7th place to getting in a relegation battle. Yeah. But just what's surprising is just that they've been, like, god-awful. Like, just, like, so bad. Yeah. They have not been good. Not no. good. But, no. you know, we'll, we'll keep an done? eye on them. Are they finished, do you think? Are they finished? Probably, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. We haven't gotten to halfway halfway in the season yet, but I think if they're still in last by the end of the festive fixtures, then they're done. If they can yeah. get to like I don't know within a point or two above to of of safety, then yeah, you think they have a chance. But right now they are how many points off safety? Oh I think my they're God. eight. Yeah, they ten are, nine, nine points. Right? They are eight points off safety. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or okay. nine points. I'm sorry. Yeah. Nine points from safety. They are six points behind West Brom. <laughs> And eight behind Fulham, and okay. nine behind Burnley, who are in seventeenth. So yeah. they need results. They need draws. They need clean sheets. They need they need anything they can get because well, I don't... they don't wins. I mean, they're gonna need. That's true. You know, they need wins. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you're baby right. steps. Start baby steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's. I, I kind of want. I haven't taken a look at what their it's fixture list looks like. I'll, I'll say. I'll say real quick that it's so interesting, bro. I um like you can like it's so interesting there like you can look up and like examine what went wrong in like the sophomore slump but there are just so many yeah. teams that have gone through this like sophomore slump for some reason yeah just <laughs> in England teams, I don't know why. right don't teams know. get promoted and then they just they second season for whatever reason they just struggle yeah that's right uh, so here's their next their next five. Uh, in the league, anyways. So Brighton away uh, on Sunday, yep. Everton at home on Boxing Day, uh, Burnley away the following Tuesday, Palace away on January second, and then FA Cup at Bristol Rovers, and then back in the league against Newcastle at home on January. Right, so they got to do well in those games. So those they games. need at least a point against Brighton, at least a point against Burnley. One would be fantastic against Everton, just for for everyone's sanity, yeah. mine specifically, but anyone's sanity, just a point against Everton, mm-hmm. if not three, three would be great. Yeah. Um, and then you got, I mean, you got to think they can probably beat Burn. They they should, I mean, they can beat Burnley. They probably won't. Sure, but no, Burnley are just Burnley struggling. Too. Any given yeah. week, though, they could be a bogey team for anyone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just the mm-hmm. Sean Dyche effect. No, I, absolutely, absolutely, man. Yeah. Um. For sure. But there's For a few sure. other games I quickly want to highlight before we get to hot takes. Because I, sure. I only have one hot take tonight, and I've kind of alluded at it a little bit. Um, okay. So three three games to keep an eye on for, for you folks listening to this. Everton-Arsenal on, mm. I believe it's I believe it's Sunday. Can't remember on top of my head. Everton against Arsenal. Oh, no, Everton, they play a... a um, or is that Saturday? Yeah, Arsenal, Saturday. 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 Everton-Arsenal, Saturday. Tottenham-Leicester. And United against Leeds. That's Man United against Leeds. So yeah, those are. I mean, 
they're not like the they're not the fixtures we had last weekend, but these are some these are some very high key tasty fixtures. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um, I'm kind of keeping my eye on. Um, well, I mean, obviously Spur. I, 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 yeah, I think Spurs and Leicester. I mean, I'm I'm curious to see whether those two teams can really mount a title challenge. Yeah, because. Um, I mean, we saw, yeah. what was it, for most of last year, well, I guess I guess really halfway through the season is when they kind of started to struggle. But Leicester, last year, keeping pace with Liverpool and City for mm-hmm. most of like the first half, and then Boxing Day, Leicester got annihilated by Liverpool and then just kind of fell off the wagon after that. Yep. Um, and, then, and then Tottenham. I, I, you know, you have to think with Mourinho, they're going to be right there. Mm-hmm. This is... Absolutely. Infamously year two. I mean, it's Mourinho's first full year, but it's technically year two of Mourinho. So, I don't know. It's Anything just, could happen. I, but what's so weird, Owen, is like, like, Leicester, they, it, and the same thing happened last year. They just lose too many games. Like, they just, like, that they, they're just in the big games or just, they, they just, they're not, they can't do it consistently enough. They're very consistent. But like, just not quite enough to be a top team, and that's why I'm so different. But like, they're at five losses this year. Yeah, was that five? They have they're eight zero and five. They have no draws this season. None. That's crazy. So they're that's either going to win or lose. They're not going to one point. Like, no, yeah. never heard of it. And like the Everton game is a great example, right? Like those are the kind of games you can't lose. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's going to be really interesting uh, to see. I think that's a huge. That's like a six pointer for those teams right there. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a six pointer. Western Tottenham, yeah. Who do you think is the biggest title challenger to Liverpool on? I mean, the the lazy answer is to say City because mm-hmm. you have to figure with that much quality and Pep Guardiola that they're not going to be in ninth forever. Mm. But I mean, right now it's Tottenham. It has to be Tottenham right now. But okay. again. I, I don't think City's going to be down there forever. I, it's just they have too much quality. Pep Guardiola is Pep yeah. Guardiola. He's going to get sure. his players to get results. Uh, it's not really like a. It's not really like a oh, it's, it, Pep's having a bad year or whatever. It's just these things happen. It's it's early yeah. in the season. It's what thirteen mm-hmm. games in. Mm-hmm. They're they're not going to be there forever, and they have a game in hand too. So realistically, they could if they win those two, and this pace holds up, uh, they're going to be within mm-hmm. two points of Liverpool. So mm-hmm. yeah. You know, yeah. Liverpool, say Liverpool drop points and City win both their games, they'll be within two points of Liverpool. So yeah, no, who it's... knows? And Liverpool mm-hmm. could very very well lose at Palace. Yeah, on, no, uh, I mean that's that's a it's gonna be a tricky game as well. Saturday, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But and maybe lots of, lots of good stuff. And then United yep. Leeds as well. That's gonna be, I think, under the radar, a really really fun game to watch. Very very fun. Uh, yeah, because, well, I mean, there's always great games in the Premier League. Yeah, every also Southampton City. South, yeah, great. right, right. Fantastic game. It's every every single week, and that's what makes the Premier League so amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, at least yeah. that's one of the things, anyway. That and the fact that you know <laughs> Liverpool won the league last year. What? Who said that? Um, <laughs> let's get over to the hot takes so we can get out of here. Sure. And uh, put a bow on this podcast before the the last one sure. before the holidays for mm-hmm. uh christmas and boxing day because mm-hmm. we got a lot of boxing day we might, we might drop something a little 
next Friday for a little, little Christmas podcast. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, we could do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I only have one hot take. All right, go ahead. And I have kind of hinted at this already, but right. we were talking about Timo Werner. Yeah. And we were talking about how he's looked lately. So, mm-hmm. so far this year, Timo Werner has been what to you? In one word. What has he been? Uh, rubbish. <laughs> He's been wubbish. Rubbish. He's been rubbish. So, in the league this year, 13 starts, 13 games, mm-hmm. four goals, and three assists. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. Not bad. It's no. not great. But it's not bad. It's a decent That's output. Right. It's okay. It's okay. It's yeah. 32 shots in 13 games. Mm-hmm. So, Timo Werner, at the, at, by the end of the season, mm-hmm. will have scored more goals against the top six than against the other 14 clubs. Wow. So, against, well, five, the other five of the top six. So, Liverpool, Man United, Man City, Arsenal, mm. and Spurs. He will score more against those five than he will everybody else. Because, wow, okay. and, and here, here's why I think this. Here, here's why. Because the way every one of those teams, except for maybe Spurs, Spurs is the exception, maybe. Mm-hmm. Every single one of those teams plays on the front foot. Every single one of those teams wants to take their game to the opposition and yeah. batter them. That bodes mm-hmm. really well for one player and one player specifically who loves to run in behind. It is very, very fast. Mm-hmm. It's great for yeah. Timo Werner. He loves mm-hmm. to run in behind. He's a one-trick pony. That's all he can do. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do it. He's going to yeah. He's gonna score against the big six. I, I guarantee you, well, uh, maybe not guarantee, but I can, I can bet some good money he's probably going to score against Liverpool in the reverse fixture. He's probably going to score against City. He's probably going to score against Arsenal. Mm-hmm. But is he going to score against West Ham, Crystal Palace, Burnley? Hell, Sheffield yeah. United. You throw them in there. Mm-hmm. Probably not because what do those teams do? As West Brom, especially after they hired Big Sam. Yeah. They're going to pack it in. Ten players behind the ball. Ooh, not a lot of space to run in behind if everyone's behind the ball. Hmm. Yeah. That's so, right. to me, he's a he's a very talented player, and he needs to learn to develop that side of his game, where he can learn to break down defenses that are behind the ball, every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Or he's just going to be like a poor man's Jamie Vardy, and that's actually ironic because he costs way more than Jamie Vardy. But Jamie Vardy does score goals that are not like just counterattacking. Exactly, he gets he's, in the box. He's developed that part of his game too. In a lot of ways, he's a more complete. And Werner does have some movement in the box, but overall, you're right. He's a very one-dimensional player. He doesn't really beat you off the dribble or create anything for himself. Exactly. And he's just okay at movement. Mm-hmm. So, you yep. know, you're you're absolutely right, Owen. Um, you're absolutely right, you know? So there's there's my take. More against the big six or the rest of the big six than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's, um, that's so interesting. Um, okay. So... Basically, are you then? What does that make him? 
ultimately like is that make him a good player average very good world class what does that make well that's just for the season so he could turn world class he could turn into jamie vardy but a german version he could learn to be more clever in and around the box Mm. okay in this state right now he's just a good player Mm. it's just okay you know he scores goals he's a striker that's what strikers are supposed to do Mm -hmm. finishes off counterattacks is good gets the ball in behind gets his team moving on the counterattack yeah that's useful Mm. that's good but is it kind of worth the hype of like big German wonder kid? No, definitely not. So yeah, at, that's my wow. take on on Timo Werner. It's an updated, well, not that's really so updated, but it's 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 developed over the course of the season. And I had this, and you can go watch, go listen to the Premier League preview episode. I talked about this when they signed Timo Werner. He's going to yeah. be a poor man's Jamie Vardy this season, especially against teams that pack it in. And so far, uh, I like how that take is looking. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, that's that's so interesting, bro. So, um, that's what wow. I got. I, yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you you said that. Uh, that's so interesting, man. Um, okay. Um, so I got um, I got I all right. So here's my first one. So, and this is a really interesting discussion when we talk about different leagues. We can have two, um, and. This is like half me, um, to be honest with you, like half, half of me ripping, not ripping, but just mocking uh, um, Arsenal Man United a little bit. Sorry. And uh, half of me um, kind of ripping the EPL fans a little bit, even though I'm a huge one myself. Yeah. So the first one is this. Uh, and I don't even know if this is a hot take, but more just kind of explosive commentary a little bit. So we need to have a very real discussion. So, look, so- soccer is a game of, you know, players leave clubs a lot, right? And they mature. And 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 look, lots of lots of players, they just mature. They become better career players um, throughout their career, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when, when players go from one club to another, right. Um, some of that is not the club's fault. And some of that's just the player just gets better as he gets older. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, so, but the, so first, but basically I want to, um, I want to, I want to list, um, so to start this discussion and then I'm going to add my commentary. Then I want to hear your thoughts. So to start this discussion. I'm going to list you with, except for one, they're all very recent kind of cast-offs to tell you that all of Man United and Arsenal's problems could have been solved if they had these players. And then we can get into discussion about why these players seem to do better otherwise. Let's start with Arsenal. Henrik Mkhitaryan, tearing it up for AS Roma right now. Mm-hmm. Playing very, very well. Right. Ben Asser. One of the best, if not the best, holding midfielder in all of Serie A. Plays for AC Milan right now. Played for Arsenal when he's younger. Um, Aaron Ramsey. Not been at his best, but he's played very well in moments for Juventus. And um, he's, you know, a big part of the team. Could have right. solved the creative struggles. Yep. Um, and kind of, you know, the, the hybrid um, player. I mean, I guess you could say Alexis Sanchez, who... 
yes, he does not start for Inter Milan because they have Lukaku and Lutaro Martinez, but he looks pretty sharp. He comes in most games off the bench, and like he could absolutely be better than anyone but Aubameyang on your team. And there's probably more, but those were just a few I listed. And then let's go to Man United. Romelu Lukaku is the best striker in the world. He's better than Lewandowski. Mm. He's, that, he's that good. This season, this season, he's better than Lewandowski. And last year, I will say Lewandowski was better. He should have won the Ballon d'Or. But like Lukaku, if 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 Lewandowski's 1A, Lukaku's 1B. Everything runs through Lukaku for Inter. And he, he puts up incredible numbers. Um, but yeah, based on production, Lewandowski was better last year. Okay. Anyways, um, Chris Smalling plays very well for Roma. Starting starts for them, center back. Um, Andrew Herrera, big part of PSG, right? Started in the in in the Champions League final. Adin Yanusaj, Real Sociedad, mounting a challenge in La Liga, is playing very well. Oh, by the way, with Arsenal, I forgot Jorginho. Uh, uh, I just want to say that I don't know if you remember Jorginho. Jorginho. But he's been a very, wow. Okay. He's been a very good striker in the Serie A for a long time. Uh, now he plays for Parma, but he he, he scores goals. Um, okay, anyways, back to United. Um, Ashley Young, big part of Inter Milan's title challenge. Antonio Valencia, believe it or not, can still play. And it was a very good uh, in the dressing room. And um, I'm just going to throw in Fellaini because I, th- I still think actually Fellaini can play a oh little bit. Oh, my God. No, no more not. Fellaini. All right. So so here's so here's my commentary. So my commentary is that and I'm gonna be rude. Now don't get me wrong, okay? The Premier League, I do believe, is the best league in the world. Teams have more money, the leagues are more balanced, and then from a style of play, it's just faster. The style of play is faster, it's more physical and direct, and because of how fast the speed of play is and how physical it is, it does make it hard for players to play in it. But I also think it's just, to be honest with you, a little bit of rushness and also just arrogance from clubs and fans. There are so many good players. Um, and it happens, don't get me wrong, with other big clubs around the world too. But we have to have a real conversation of when these players go other places and do well, because there are so many in the Premier League, right? Um, how much of it is how tough the English league is, like, and that's a very valid thing, but how much of it is just arrogance and they just overlook these players? They may not, they maybe they, they're not putting them in a position to maximize their talent. Maybe they just don't, they look down upon them. They just, they're not good at telling who's good enough or not. But I think that's a really valid question you have to see because you look all around and that's the case. Yeah. Look, Brahim Diaz. Look, Brahim Diaz. Manchester let him go. He's playing very well for Eastern Milan right now. Sorry, that's just another club. Okay? So, I mean, point is, it's all around. It's all around. Here are players, like, that teams are struggling. Right? I mentioned Man City because, believe it or not, they've struggled for goals. And they have all these guys that could help them. Like, you know? So, yeah. I, I just, I don't know what it is. And, like, and okay, go ahead. I'll add more. No, no, I, I get that. I get that. And and there's an element of, of truth to it with certainly with City. Uh, I think they're they're one you have to take with a grain of salt because not only do they have a game in hand, and it's very early in the season. Them and United as well. Yeah. But 
they haven't had Aguero for most of the season, or a, fit, a fully fit Aguero yeah, for most sure. of the season. And no, he's, a, he's a game changer as far as the goals department, not just because of, of how many he scores, but mm-hmm. what he creates for his teammates. Uh, for the other players, it's, you know, I, I wouldn't disagree yeah. fully, but part of it is, yes, there's an element of of pressure in the Premier League from mm-hmm. clubs and fans, and a little bit of you know, if you're not performing, your your yeah. leash is your leash is super short, and if you're not scoring goals, you're going to get benched or you're going to get sold. Mm-hmm. The other element of it is particularly with Man United is that they haven't had consistency with the manager for more than mm-hmm. what two three seasons. Yeah, sure. since Sir Alex Ferguson left. David Moyes, what, two seasons? One season? Louis uh, Van two. Hall, yeah. two seasons. Mourinho, yeah. two and a half. Sure. Uh, yeah. Solskjaer, two and a half, mm-hmm. three. But mm-hmm. you can't anticipate if he doesn't win a trophy, he's not going to stay. Mm-hmm. So it's a revolving door of different managers with different philosophies on how they believe their players are going to win. And Fellaini, I want to pick on Fellaini because I don't like Fellaini, but he's one of those players who Mourinho loves him because of who he is and what he brings to the table. Van Hall brought him to the club. Or, was yeah. it, sorry, was it Moyes? Uh, either one. But then Solskjaer came in and Solskjaer didn't like what he brought to the table, so he sold him. Yeah. And you could you could say that for so many different players. And Arsenal hasn't had that same kind of thing, but also it's, it's the same principle of sometimes there's just a, so many different philosophies coupled with mm. an impatience and an arrogance and a, we need you to produce today. But it's also not specifically their fault. It's because the league is so lucrative and because your bottom line gets so severely impacted by your output week mm-hmm. in and week out. So every player has every single stat, every analysis of their game yeah, gets sure. that much more scrutinized. And I'm not saying it doesn't matter in Italy. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it doesn't matter in Spain. But in England, that's where the emphasis is, more so than in other leagues. Because it, yeah, these guys no. aren't tearing up Juventus. Sure. Real Madrid, Barcelona. They're not tearing up the elite top tier clubs. They're tearing up they're they're playing well at good solid club. I mean mm. Inter's is Inter's a big club. AC Milan's a big club. Yeah. But they're not yeah. what they were. They're not at where they were when they were at their absolute mm. peak compared to Juventus, who's still there. Mm. So you, mm-hmm. you get into the discussion of, you know, sometimes it's People don't acclimate to the game in England. They don't acclimate to the weather in it. They don't, the culture. They don't. Yeah. It's 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 more than just the football itself. And I think that's that's something you have to take in consideration as well. From a footballing perspective, it's like I was like I mentioned before. It's very much depends on the player, the coach, the manager, the club, the situation. It's mm. so many different parts go into it. So it's not just yeah. plug and play certain things. And the reason I say this is because Klopp is mm. always adamant. Every time we're in a transfer window or around a transfer window, why didn't you get this player? Why didn't you get that player? Why didn't you get this player? Why didn't you get that player? Klopp is always the philosophy of you can't just solve all your problems by going out and getting a player on the transfer market. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you have that quality already and you have to just coach them or you put them in a better position to succeed. Sometimes you do need quality and you do need new players, but that's why you have to be super, super thorough when you scout your players. You don't have to scout the player as the athlete it just got the player as the person are they going to mm-hmm. like england are they going to buy into the project that you have are they going to like being outside of their home country are they going to be able to learn english if they don't speak english already so there's so many different parts that go into it yeah, so no, I, I get what you're saying and i'm not going to say it's completely bullshit but there's a lot of different yeah. layers that go into it and i think no, that's no, something no, that gets no, overlooked a lot yeah. I, and i think no there there are lots of layers but i also think like 
And I'm not sure why it's this way in soccer, but it just seems like in a lot of American sports, it just feels like it's on the it's it's the job of the the organization from the front office, from everyone in the organization and the manager to get the best out of their players. Where it feels like in in European soccer a lot of times it feels like it's like the player's job to fit in to the squad. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a like a big part of it, right? It's like you mm-hmm. said, is is that a lot of these players, it's not that they're oh also I should I should mention Matteo Darman too. Matteo yeah. Darman starting for Inter. Um, right. So it's it's one of those So it's, it's 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 one of those things like you said where it's that it it might just not be the right situation for them. It's not that they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. It's just that the and like you said, with how lucrative and how global the EPL is and all the media attention that comes with it. There's a lot of pressure. What have you done for me lately? But it's just like the Lukaku one really gets me on because like that's the one that really sticks with me because it's just like you can't watch Lukaku and tell me that that guy's not a star. Like even when he's with Man United, like you could say, yeah, okay, like he wasn't playing as well at some point. But like, and some points, and maybe he wasn't as great for the style of play. But it's like you watched Lukaku, and you knew how good he was. Yeah. Everyone knew how good he was. But Everyone who was his manager at United? Uh, we well, had multiple. But who, had who is Harry, had Mourinho. who had is Mourinho the main too. Mourinho? Yeah. And does Mourinho really like strikers like Lukaku? Well, he. To be fair, though, I think he did better under Mourinho than Solskjaer. I mean, Mourinho, he was his guy. He started every game for Mourinho. That's true, but he didn't have the same output. Solskjaer phased him out. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And it's enough. also it's also the club the size of Manchester United. Yeah. It's one of the most But like you know but like look, look, I'm gonna say it right now, okay? Um Marcus Rashford, okay, like I said, looked amazing today. Really good young player. He's he's half the player Lukaku is. Half the player. Straight up. Wow. Lukaku okay. is one of the best two or three strikers in the entire world. And you think, oh, Anthony Martial and Rashford are better. And look, we have a right to say this as a fan. It's not my job. And, and, and it, or just get a, a better manager or, or, or to, 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 to fit your style to him. Yeah. Look, look, I can say this because, look, I'm sure being directors of football is hard. That's not my job. But as a fan, we just can be like, yeah, like, okay, he's scored, like, he scored, you know, m- many more goals than Ronaldo. And, like, you had him, and here you are worrying about Anthony Martial and Cavani and, you know, Marcus Rashford yeah. and Greenwood. Well, it's also one of those, like, chicken or egg kind of things. You know, you know which one comes first, the manager or the player? And well, if a manager doesn't rate a certain player, then they're the one who has ultimate control over whether or not that player plays. And regardless of how the player trains or regardless of how they do when they leave, that's their decision. They have to live with it. So it's not, you know, it's, it's, this is a problem that they have themselves asked for because of who was in charge at the time. And, you know, it's, it's not the player's fault. Certainly the player's fault is to go out and perform wherever they're asked. That's, that's the job of a footballer. The job Mm -hmm. manager is to, with the existing squad of players they have, or with the resources the club has, create a squad or refine a squad to the ability where they able, they are able to compete at the highest level, and mm-hmm. it's You're not 
it's not an indictment of Lukaku that he is performing miles better at Inter than he was at, mm-hmm. at United. So ultimately, yeah. how much you want to read of this is up to you. I think it's, you know, yeah. you do have to look at it more holistically. But you, you do bring up a lot of valid points. And the players have, when they leave England, a lot of times do real. I mean, I was just thinking about this earlier too. I mean, think about two of Chelsea's biggest rejects, besides also Lukaku, yeah. is Mo Salah and Kevin De Bruyne. Guess what happened yeah. to them? They they both sure. went abroad, got some confidence, mm-hmm. played really well, and came back and now yeah. Kevin De Bruyne is the best midfielder in the world. Right. Mo Salah is one of the so best attacking that, players and, in the world. So the question is, what does that say about the Premier League? Where's the disconnect there, it's, right? It's and because it's, you know, to me, bottom. it feels like it's, it's too, it's too results driven. It's too, what do you, what have you done today? Did you score a hat trick today? No, you're, you're trash. You didn't score a hat trick today. You didn't score a goal today. You didn't have assist today. You're trash. Yeah. It's that rapid, yeah, no. it's the English media and the rapid instant reaction to everything. And that's what makes it so tough is because you have to be able to withstand that and still continue to perform. And, yeah. you know, that's why we say, Players who can cut their, who can really make it in the Premier League are the best in the world because they make it through all of the adversity, through all the media chatter, through all the fans, the expectations mm-hmm. of the club, just everything that comes with being a player in the Premier League. So, yeah. you know, you, we, you could seriously do a whole different podcast on this alone as players before and after the Premier League. Mm. So, some, yeah. some players have the mentality to do it, others don't. And that's not necessarily an indictment of the player. It's just that's the style and that's the way it is. Yeah, no, yeah. That, it's it's very interesting. So. Yeah, I mean, we can seriously get into a, a whole animated discussion about this on a yeah. separate podcast or separate series entirely. Yeah. So, okay. But um, but yeah, I, I I do like that. It's it's that's a it's a good point of discussion. I think we we could have spent more time doing that on the show, but yeah, you know, maybe something to talk about in another episode, especially in between seasons. Yeah. No. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I got two more. All right, what do you got for us? Um, now, I think this first one is an extremely bold take and probably not going to happen if I was a betting man. But right, I'm just going to say it. it. Air it out. All right, so, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, and, like, you know, I think a lot of people, the Lakers, in, in terms of the NBA, you know, the Lakers are pretty um, – you know, heavy favorites to right. repeat the title. Then there's kind yeah. of a one A group, which includes the Brooklyn Nets. Um, and my take is that they're not going to make it out of the first round of the playoffs, uh, going into the season. Well, That's my take. Uh, um, just, I don't hate it. I don't hate the take. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say it. I don't sure. hate it. Yeah. No. I. I think there's just reason to be concerned um, because not only because of the chemistry issues and you know, is Kyrie going to cause a fit and is KD healthy? But more specifically, just because um, they, you know, they could make some trades, but their defense is uh, really bad. They have basically no one. They have one player on their team, and he's a reserve, Bruce Brown, who's an above-average defender. And so we're looking at potentially one of the worst handful of defensive teams in the NBA. And there's a lot of good teams in the East, and so... You know how well can you realistically do with a bottom of the bottom defense? We'll see. Yeah. But on paper, that's how it looks. Well, and the reason I, I don't mean, hate your take is because Kevin. I mean, the whole. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the whole reason Kevin Durant wanted to do his own thing 
outside of Golden yeah. State because he wanted to prove he can be, you know, the guy, the leader, the one guy who puts an entire team on his back and carries him to a title like LeBron. Yeah. Uh, I think he's going to find a lot sooner than people realize that it's a lot harder than you think. And that's what makes LeBron as great as he is to drag on his back that Cleveland Cavaliers team to the finals and then to win as many as he did with the Heat and then with the Cat and then to win what that one with the Cavs, period. And then again yeah. with the Lakers. Yeah. And and you've seen it with KD before. Mm. They were up 3 1. The Thunder with Russell Westbrook, one of the best players in the league. He and KD yeah. up 3 1 on the Warriors. Only to not win, and then for KD to subsequently join the Warriors next year and win, what is it, two out of three years? Like, it's it's one thing when you fail to beat a team like the Warriors. Okay, fine. It's the Warriors, whatever. But then when you join them the next year, Mm -hmm. and then then believe that you are good enough to carry another team, even though you couldn't carry a team past a team that blew a 3-1 lead to the bar. Like, there's so many different layers to it, and... It's just yeah. like it just feels like short sighted almost to think like that. I mean, but but also to be at KD's level and to be at the level he's been at for his entire career, you have to have that little bit of arrogance. You have to have that little bit of yeah, like I'm the shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Why not? So mm-hmm. I, I don't hate your take. I don't. You know whether or not it happens, we'll see. We'll find out in April. But yeah, it'll definitely like you said. It'll be a test of uh, can Kevin Durant really lead his own team yep. and win a championship? Exactly that, that kind of thing. Can he carry I mean, his own team? Kyrie tried it. That didn't work. <laughs> Yeah. He, he tried it. It didn't work. Yeah. Uh, uh, no. Anyway. Not for sure. Yeah, they got to get past the uh, clear number one seed in the East, the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> oh, my God. The Hawks are going to be so bad actually, this year. Yeah, the Hawks are actually going to be good, man. I mean, they. I think, though, a lot of people are projecting them to make the playoffs. Uh, mm. They made a lot of good moves in the offseason. So that's actually really, a team that could... I'll be really happy if they compete for a playoff spot. I don't think they will, but I'll be really they happy if they do. They have no offense, no defense. But they, hey, we're, they we're have... just going to go all, all threes. All threes. All game. <laughs> Trey pulling up from the parking lot. Because that's okay. what Trey Young does. Okay. And what's funny is that actually leads me to my last take. Mm-hmm. More basketball on the podcast. Ironically. Um, by the way, shout out real quick to the Browns-Ravens game. All-time great game. Oh, what a great um, game. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. He's the man. Take a bow, son. He's Go so dogs. explosive, bro. He's so explosive. What a guy. Um, man, a few words and many yards. Oh, he's so good, bro. And we'll, we'll mention him as we get closer to playoffs. Chubb. But, um, yeah, he's so good. But, um... I think that, you know, okay. All right, so, um, and this is just a hot take. Like, I mean, yep. it's probably foolish. But, okay. Um, the, the trade that the Hawks made with the Mavs where Mavericks get Luka Doncic, they trade up to get Luka Doncic, Hawks get Trey Young, and they get uh, another pick, which ends up being Cam Reddish, who actually looks pretty good. I think is going to go down as uh, one of the worst trades in the NBA history and maybe sports. I don't know if that's yeah. necessarily a hot take. But first, not only because of Luka Doncic, you know, projected MVP this year and like maybe going to be one of the top players in all time, is that, you know, I think Trey Young is pretty overrated myself. I think he's, you know, he's literally by like 
the advanced analytics out of last year, 519 NBA players, literally 519. Statistically the worst defensive player in the NBA. And I mean, I don't blame him. Like it's hard. He's so small, but like still, I, I just, I think he's, he's kind of overrated too. Um, he, look, he, he can do a lot of things, but um, he has to show that what you can do with the ball, you have to get everyone involved. You have to be able to spread the ball around and win. And the things he can do in terms of his shooting and passing are unreal. But now that he has a team, not only the, the defense makes it hard because you, you should you really need to be able to defend the ball in the NBA, but like how well can he do with the team because yep. the ball sticks in his hands a lot. So... Um, yeah, I, I just think that, sorry to rag on Atlanta, but that was just increasingly just an awful trade. <laughs> yeah, so so here's here's my stance with this trade, and I'll make this quick because I know we've been yeah. doing this for forever. Um, Trey Young is a solid offensive player. He's, as we've mentioned, mm-hmm. a woeful defender in the NBA. Yeah. You need to be able to do both to be an elite player. Luca can do both. Luca is a much mm-hmm. more complete player. Yeah. And I keep telling myself as an Atlanta fan that, you know, this is what Travis Schlenk wanted to do. He was an assistant GM with the Warriors. He saw firsthand how to build a team to win a championship. Yes, they drafted three probable Hall of Famers. <laughs> but yeah. ultimately... You know, you have to trust the process. And the more you watch Luca develop and play, and the more yeah. you watch Luca hit buzzer beaters yeah. and just become the superstar that he is already after what, two seasons in the NBA, the more you realize, oh boy, yeah. this is going to go down as another Atlanta choke, isn't it? Yeah, the opportunity to take Luka Doncic in the draft, and you choked it away for Trey Young. So I don't feel great about it. I think your take is going to be very, very good in a few years. Oh, and I, and I just want to say real quick Owen, this is even the Lukaku on extreme steroids, like, um, Jew on the juice thing, because here's the, the, the reality, bro, is it's just like, Everyone knew how good Luka Doncic was. Yep. Like, literally, that's like one of the, the – it's just one of the strangest things. Yep. He was playing with, with one of the best European teams as a 18, 17 and 18-year-old and just dominating them, being the guy to take the last shots, like everyone deferring to him. Like, like everyone knew how good – it was right in front of their eyes. Yep. So yep. it was just like that's the one that's just so – boggling which is just like there was no doubt how good he was going to be yep yep and you tell me atlanta sports aren't cursed you tell me with a straight face that atlanta sports yeah. aren't cursed what did if we do to atlanta deserve this what, yeah. what did we could have had luka Doncic. and we trey young we could have had luka mm-hmm. uh, oh well maybe there's uh yeah, man. I, right, I don't like know. Said, I don't know what positives to take. Bookie's favorite to make the win MVP this year. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the positives are with Atlanta anymore. I don't. Like the Braves, maybe, probably not. Georgia, no. Yeah. Falcons, definitely not. Uh, yeah. Well, on the bright side, there's always uh, Atlanta being the the hip hop mecca that it is on the East Coast. There's the yeah. no no other city comes close to Atlanta when it comes to 
to hip hop and rap. Just, yeah. Sorry, I'm not gonna apologize for that take. Just a fact. No, Just a fact. It's not a take. It's that's a fact. why uh, James Harden went to Little Baby's birthday party. Why do you think Lou Will went to Magic City? Uh, yo, to be fair, Magic City supposedly has good wings. Not and, only is it just a cool place, and where like is, it's just a staple of Atlanta, but and, supposedly it has good food. Yeah, so I mean, so I where is it. where is Magic City in the the city of it? The city of Atlanta. What? <laughs> okay, yeah. this is an Atlanta podcast, so we'll we'll wrap it up. I think on that on that note before before I get to Atlanta and before Willie starts to get sick of it. <laughs> no, I I like it, man. Uh, I always enjoy it. Well, we've covered a lot in this two, almost three-hour podcast, but hopefully this will hold you over until the new year. I don't know if we're going to drop something before Christmas and talk about Boxing Day specifically. We might do a Boxing Day special. I don't know. But uh, be sure to uh, drop a follow to all the socials. All that's going to be in the description as usual. Wherever you get this podcast, whether it's Anchor.fm or on Spotify, uh, I believe we're on Apple Podcasts as well. I have to double-check on that, but I think we're on Apple as well. Oh, that's that's exciting. So. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, check out Hot Takes Only. This has been episode 27. Uh, if yeah. you do not hear from us again in the podcast land, we will see you in 2021, which is yeah crazy. I have a feeling we'll do one more episode before the end of the year. Um, I might yep. cut together some of our funniest moments from the last few last few podcasts we've done this mm-hmm. year, the resurrection of Hot Takes Only, if you will. Uh, so yeah. be sure to stay tuned for that. Uh, Willie, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, go Browns. <laughs> go, go Browns. Browns. Nick Chubb. Go dogs. Nick Chubb. Yep. Uh, all right, folks. Well, for Willie, I'm Owen. This has been Hot Takes Only, episode 27. And ending 2020 on a high note, hopefully, unless you hear from us again. We'll see. So thanks for listening, wherever you may be, whenever you're listening to this. Have a great morning, evening, afternoon, uh, wherever you may be. Hope you're well. Hope you're safe. And we'll see you next time, maybe next year. Who knows? Take care, folks.